Welcome to Tales of the East End, and it is episode 148 and it's me Gary P and of course the Prof Carl Riley. Still not sponsored by Manscaped. Get the finger out Gary. Yeah I really am. It's desperate at this stage. Even the club have a sponsorship. I'm, re- I'm desperate at this stage. Like I'm, it's, it's embarrassing. I'm going to have to cut it out. But we do have a brand new sponsor but first we're going to talk about our official electrical partner. It is Ocean Electrical, and of course they're actually involved in construction as well, Prof. They're coming out to Casa del Paris and soon enough and they're going to have a look around. But Ocean Electrical are there for all your building, maintenance, electrical, the whole lot, everything. They will look after you in every way possible. They are fantastic and they are continuing to support us for this season. So a uh, big shout out to Ocean Electrical for looking after us and being our official sponsor. But Prof, we have big news. Can you give us a drum roll, Prof? We now have an official finance provider of the podcast. It is Leinster Credit and they are established in 2015. They are an Irish-owned family finance provider and they are now our official finance provider of the podcast. So check them out. Leinster Credit Prof. Uh, Short-term cash loans direct to your doorstep um, between 100 and 500 euro. For example, a 50-week loan for 500 euro. It'll be 15 per week. Own back 750 in total. So they are... uh, Direct to your doorstep, an agent will be dealing with you. They follow all of the COVID advice, so check them out, leinstercredit.ie, and Google <laughs> them if you're not too sure. They are two big supporters of Tifties and Bolt Rollers fans, so what, what more do you want? Yeah, so that is it. So, Leinster Credit, credit where credit's due. So, we move on to our football matters, and of course, it is the start of the season, prop. So, happy new season. Happy new season. Good to have our Fridays back. Good to have the Fridays back. Not back to normal, but is that uh, is normal, isn't it? Normal is not going to games now at this stage. But we are back and we are very, very happy. At least it's bag of cans weather. Bag of cans weather, yeah, yeah. We are going to have to start getting some lighter merch in, aren't we? Because the fleece <laughs> is extremely heavy. Well, yeah, this week we have an interview with a two-time player of the year, Dave Connell, a classy midfielder for the Hoops in the early 90s. And we play that in two parts, either side of our presence. Cup review, some great football and stories. And uh, wait till you hear that one. It is a cracker, as usual, from the prof. We have Winston and the Tifties hotline are back. Um, last week. We last were. week, yeah. T- Tifties hotline, I'm loving that now. Winston, um, I felt like I was just listening in on someone's conversation. <laughs> At this, at, at, towards the end of it, dinner, dinner with Finner. Dinner with Finner. I see some of the women's especially enjoyed it on Facebook. I think that's uh, uh, that's down to his boyish good looks, Winston. Yeah. Is it more Winston or more Finner? I don't know. But, oh, I don't uh, know. A bit of both, maybe. 
McDarrow said that John Cody has lost none of his pace. He, he was quick, wasn't he? Ah, uh, it's, uh, it's some left foot. It sounded like he had a flight to catch. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he got through it all right. That's it, quick, quick yeah. and to the point. Jason Malone, he said that Dutch Jerry sounds like he's calling out scores on a Eurovision jury. <laughs> yeah, Dutch Jerry was very good, in fairness. And uh, I want to give my apologies to Ray Whitten Sr. I accidentally omitted his call in to the hotline last week. Uh, this must have been quite confusing for listeners because we were actually talking about it and it didn't air. It got left in the cutting room floor somehow. So I had words with Ray Whelan Sr. Don't worry, yeah. I've had words with him. It's not good enough. Prof, I, had a, I had a million things to do on that prof, podcast. Prof, ow, not good enough. I'm not surprised I made his one mistake. We'll have to make yeah. a return. We have to include him now, don't we? Yeah, we're going to play it now. So here, here's Ray, Ray uh, Sr. Hello, good afternoon. It's Ray Whelan here. And uh, the first thing I'd like to do is wish everybody a happy and a healthy new season. Um, and I hope everything goes well. The following are the results of the Ray Whelan debate. Um, the top three in order would be Rovers, Bowes and Sligo. I think that Longford will be relegated. The team, really, really difficult. I decided not to think too much about this because the longer I thought about it, the more difficult it became. So I'm going with uh, uh, Gannon, Pico, Hoare, Grace and Cabinet. Now, if Cabinet might be carrying a knock, but if it's not Cabinet, it'd be Scales. Um, the three will be Finn, McCann and Mandreu and up top um, Gaffney and Bourke um, I think that Gaffney will be the leading scorer and I think Mandreu will be the biggest assist I would hope that maybe for the European Games in July that we might see some fans back in the stadium um, for the person I'd like to see interview or hear interviewed on the podcast would be Harry Kenny. And just that I think that he has probably a great deal more stories from that era that might be uh, interesting. But uh, again, can I wish everybody uh, the best of luck for the new season. All the best. So yeah, he showed me his team at the game Friday and he showed me how close he was. But I think no one got it right because of Cabo's injury, didn't they? Like everyone had Cabo at left wing. Everybody, and that was yeah. kept under under wraps, wasn't it? Cabo's knock. Yeah. And he was only back from like a really bad injury. I'm hoping it's not too serious. Uh, Steve Siri, he he didn't call into the hotline, but he had a great prediction last week. He said two one robbers, two managers sent off, both on docks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the manager situation still rumbling on there at Dundalk, and it would probably take a turn for the worse as the season goes on, in my opinion. Um, yeah, so uh, we didn't answer those questions ourselves last week, aside from the starting 11. So, Prof, you want to go first? Uh, yeah. Uh, number one number one is obvious, Rovers. Uh, second, I'm saying Bowes again. But my third is a surprise. I'm um, going. I'll tell you if I agree with you. I don't think you're, you're going to know what I'm saying. Sligo. Mm, oh, do you know what? I, I'll tell you I'll, I'll tell you what, I, what I'm going for right right my top obviously Rovers to win Bowes second I'm going to go Derry right I'm going to go Derry third I'm going to go Sligo fourth 
Think about Darius though. Everyone tips them every season, and, I, they, and they'd never do anything. I know, but listen, Joe Hodge. I know he's gone back to Manchester, and he's English, and he's 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 injured. But I think that type of player, that type of quality, can can push you up. So I'm gonna go Derry. Um, it's oh, it's a toss up between Derry and Sligo for third and fourth. Maybe Sligo makes more sense. Bucko's kind of got a good squad in there. He's got some good players. He probably will. But uh, yeah, Dundalk. I'm gonna go fifth. I'm gonna go fifth. I'm gonna do a a, a forehead Tracy on it and. I don't think he put us in, a, in the top six. <laughs> did he? I don't think he did. Ah, I, I and officially, think. he is officially off his head. I, I meant to text this to you, actually. Uh, he, the, the Dundalk fans were all loving all the crap he was coming out on Twitter. And some of them says, who do you think is going to win the cup? And he said, Cinderella story. Cork City to win the cup. He said Cork to win the cup. So he'll officially never be mentioned in any footballing conversation ever again. <laughs> He thinks Cork City are going to win the cup next year. Oh my god! Cinderella story. We're really in their heads, aren't we? Oh man. my god! So as for relegation, I think probably all ten people called in said Longford, did they? Yeah. I think Waterford. I think it's going to be close between Longford and Waterford. Longford and Waterford for me. I think Waterford. I think Waterford are going to go. Um, they're going to go down because, as someone said to me, who <laughs> some one of the players that plays in the league says, I don't know what they are. <laughs> I don't know what they are and I don't think they do either so I'm going Waterford automatically down and I will say Longford to tough it out with Harps and hopefully Harps to beat them in the in the playoff yeah I just don't recognise any of Waterford's new signings their manager appointment was very out of left field although yeah. Kevin Shady is very experienced but it was it was strange one. Um, so what was the other questions we, we already did our 11 Rovers top scorer and top assist um, maker this is a tough one yeah, okay, it depends if Greener Gaffney starts more games, doesn't mm. it? So if it's Greener, then I think Greener. Yeah, I'm going to say, judging by Borgie's performance against Dundalk, ugh, I don't know, he's definitely going to have more shots on goal, yeah. either wide or, or on target. Uh, I'm going to say, I don't I don't think Greener's going to start as much as we think. I'm going to say Borgie. I'm going to say Borgie to get reined in from his shot barrage last week and he's going to do it and assists I'm going to say Watts I'm going to say Watts going to have a big season I can't remember if I said this the off air last week but I think the the highest assist maker will be a surprise I don't think it's going to be Watts or Mandrew do you don't think anybody will run away with it maybe not no so I'm going to say Gannon Gannon yeah great show from who who did we who, who came up with the first Someone else had Gannon. Maybe, yeah, maybe it was, been Ray or someone else. But uh, great show, anyway. And uh, what month will we return to games? Tala, I said this for a while now. I think our first proper game back is going to be Champions League away. So June, July. I'm going to say July. But Tala Stadium. Are you talking about like 200 people? Yeah, same old faces. I'm going to say yeah. for us. I'll say hopefully a good few months in the summer. The weather might not help us out with that with cases, but I'll say. I'm going to say November I'll say cup final us in the cup final well in Tala sorry actually Tala oh, I'll say September I have no hope for the summer at all whatsoever yeah September yeah I'd be kind of going down with that I'd say maybe August early September and who do we want next uh, Brando Mille all day has to be Brando absolutely brilliant when he was with us 
went down hill as towards I think his attitude waned a little bit but definitely definitely want to hear some of those stories and like we said it wouldn't be a hatchet job on him we'd bring him on and just talk about all the good times the football times the ups the downs as well obviously but he can answer what he wants but we'll work mm. on him yeah th- those three aren't secure by the way those Harry Kenny Glenvis Patrick Brandon Miller they're just the ones that we want next and hopefully they do agree to come on because like you say it'd be fascinating to hear Brando talk about why his farm dips so drastically yeah but Glenn would be interesting too. One yeah. season, one season wonder. Didn't he score against Deportivo as well for Shells? Wasn't that him? Uh, well, Shells didn't score against Deportivo. He's, I think he scored. Am I thinking of Lille? Two against Lille. Lille, yeah, that's what it was. UEFA yeah. Cup. Uh, yeah, so that is our predictions done. And a couple of weeks ago, Prof gave us his best eleven of players that he'd seen in person, and uh, he's been at me all week about this. And it's actually, I actually, my memory is quite bad from games I went to when I was younger, because normally when you're going to like the Orland games. With the schoolboy tickets, you're just fucking dossing and you're messing in the stand and all. So, we didn't really have much recollection. But uh, I went with 4 3 3. And the process was, process was uh, 4 3 3. And he went Van der Sar, Cafu, Helini, Paul McGrath, Roberto Carlos, Roy Keane, Paul Scholes, Ronaldinho, Del Piero, Zlatan, and uh, Brazilian Ronaldo. So, Roth pipped me to Zlatan by being in the click. Yep. And do you uh, know what? My dad reminded me of something the other day. I was at a Man United Shelburne friendly at Talca Park in 1994, so I actually saw Eric Cantona. No, fuck off with you. You're not putting Eric Cantona on your team. <laughs> but I don't know who to drop, so you might have to contend with a place on the bench. No, you put Cantona on the bench, you're getting replaced. Well, listen to who Gary's going to put on the bench. This is a disgrace. No, it's not. You people Absolutely will get it. Ridiculous. You're going to call out my 11, are you? Right, so my 11 props give me dogs about this. Oh, yeah. I think it's a solid one. I'm going to go 3 5. What are we going? 3 5 1. No, I have 3 at the back. I think you're copying Brazos from Asian, aren't you? Yeah, pretty much. That's what I wanted to go for. Because it just kind of fell into it. Because the players that I wanted it were just suited to what it was. So it was um, three at the back, two wing backs, four midfielders, and a, and a striker, right? So I went with Dida in goal. Love him. Always thought he was a bollocks as well. Because he, didn't he come off his line like six yards? Do you remember how bad it was when they didn't really cop it at the time? They didn't really bother yeah. trying to stop keepers coming off the line? 2003 Champions League final, yeah, mm. he was... Massive culprit there. Uh, three at the back: Vidic, Lucio, and Chiellini. Now that's that's a formidable back three. Prof. Lucio was the king of running the ball out and making mazy runs. He used to love seeing that. Cafu and Carlos wing backs. Keane and Scholes in the middle with Kaka on the right and Ronaldinho on the left and Fat Ronaldo up front. Very hard for Del Piero to get into that team ahead of Ronaldinho. Kaka won the Ballon d'Or. Uh, I, I just loved that Brazilian era and I mean as good as Del Piero is he's on the bench Tevez on the bench Sukor Davos Sukor's on the bench yeah, Sukor was class it's, yeah Sukor was deadly so it's a it's a good 11 but listen Del Piero could nudge someone out of that team uh, and if you do feel like sending us some of your 11s if you think you can beat those definitely send them in because it's, it's fancy football is a great thing to talk about so if you do have your best 11 that you've seen live send it in to us and we'll, uh, we can even have a little talk about it so that is my starting eleven, and uh, so next up we have uh, two-time Player of the Year in a row as well, same as Liam Buckley and Barry Murphy. Yeah, they both won in the consecutive years. So that is uh, Dave Connell, and here he is. Okay, so this is the fourteenth instalment of our Shamrock Rovers Player of the Year series, and this is the first time that we're going to talk to a multiple winner. Since the war began back in 1980, only four Hoos players have won the prize on two or more occasions. And this man is one of only three people to win it in successive seasons. That was 1990-91 and 91-92. That 
That was their first two seasons at the RES. And he's currently the Republic of Ireland Women's Under-19s manager. So we're delighted to have him on. David Connell, welcome to the show. Thanks, Carl. Delighted. Delighted to be here. Thanks for the invite. My first question I want to ask you, what part of Dublin are you from? I'm from Cabra. I'm, uh, I'm exactly, would you believe, probably eight minutes walk away from Daily Mail. Might be a bit longer <laughs> for me now, but uh, yeah, I'm from Animo in Cabra. Um, same same uh, area. I was the drive. Roddy, Roddy Collins would have been the terrace. Um, Fred Davis would have been there, Fred the goalkeeper. Um, so we had a few footballers there. If uh, if you want to call us that, I was reading that a team that you've always admired was the nineteen seventy Brazil side. Uh, is that the first World Cup that you remember? Yeah, it's it's it is. It's funny that because it's something that I ask. You know, I ask a lot of people, um, and you can kind of judge people's age on. Um, it's I didn't I didn't remember uh, I didn't remember the sixty six was born in sixty one. Um, we wouldn't have had a TV anyway in 66. Um, we weren't long after getting a TV uh, in 70. So, um, you know, I remember pleading with the father to uh, to try and stay up. Obviously, it was in Mexico. So a lot of the games were um, were late at night, early morning, kind of kind of uh, not suiting my um, sleeping habits. But uh, I got to see a little bit of it, but, you know... Um, Obviously, Pele was was the main man then, and uh, I was lucky enough then to go to Daily Mount um, when Santos played in Daily Mount, and Pele uh, was playing. So I remember waiting outside uh, the players' entrance to try and get his autograph, but I think they I think they got him out on the Connick Street side. So no luck there, but. Um, yeah, it was a it was a fabulous team, and obviously, when you look back on it now on video or YouTube or wherever the case may be, um, they were an exceptional side. Um, I admired them a lot. Just going back to your early career, you captained Ireland at schoolboys under 15s level in 1974-75. You scored twice against the Dutch, that included uh, Rude Hullet and a Welsh side that had uh, Ian Rush. So some famous names there. Yeah, like it was a good Irish team that we had, you know, and it's quite, obviously back in those days, it's, you know, obviously, uh, as you say, I'm involved with the FEI and when I see um, what the young lads and girls have today compared to what we had, um, not that I would be begrudging it, um, I think uh, I think it's it's great that the guys and girls are getting that. Um, but we went over... We went over. There was no tournament in them days. We weren't playing in any kind of European competitions or anything. So it was just friendlies. Um, but that's where we that's where we we played our games. So um, we I remember um, Vinny, Vincent Butler would have been um, would have been the manager at the time. I think they brought him in um, just temporary uh, until they were f- uh, filling the. The position, I think Vincent went went on to work in England then, so he he uh, he wasn't doing it. But Vincent was the manager. But I remember um, Fran Ray was involved, obviously with the the SFEI. Um, but we were looking for some friendlies. England wouldn't play us because the previous occasion that they'd played a few years before that, I think England had won quite handsomely, and 
they didn't really think that we'd be opposition. We'd be decent opposition. So that's what we were being told. Um, so we played the Dutch over in Holland. And as you say, we we uh, we beat them 3-2. They were a good side. But we, we had some fabulous players. With Ronnie, Ronnie would have been on that one. Ronnie Whelan. Um, Richie, Richie Bailey, of course, that played with the hoops. Richie was... Um, which he was probably the best schoolboy player I've ever seen. He was fabulous, fabulous player. Um, and we quite a few. Steve Balcom that went to Leeds. Um, Liam Boyle came from Cherry Orchard, would have played with Rovers U team back in the back in the day there, and when they had the U team under Gilesy. Um, so, yeah, really good side. Uh, Dave Dave uh, Dave Barry from Cork, Liam Murphy from Cork. So yeah, it was good, good side, and I was lucky enough to to get two that day and um, uh, two set plays. Um, I don't even think we worked them. We just we were just um, just played as we saw it, you know. And um, as I said, it was Ronnie was Ronnie set me up twice, and um, first one was a header, and the second one was a left foot. So God only knows how they went in, but they went in on the day. We were lucky enough to win 3-2. Harry Kenny would have been on that team with me as well. Harry Harry and myself played, um, we played schoolboy together in, um, in Villa United in Cabra. They're not, they wouldn't be going anymore. Um, Harry would have been in Canberra first. He was in Canberra, then came to Villa then. He probably played with Harry for about four years. Um, so, um, and then uh, that team unfortunately broke up when we we won the league uh, at under fourteen A, which was unheard of, you know, because it was it was um, it was usually home farm, Stella Maris that were winning all all the trophies. So it was it was nice to win that. It was just, you know we with some really good lads. Um, didn't really and a lot of them didn't didn't go on to pursue the career, but. Uh, Really good schoolboy players, um, and Harry obviously was an exceptional player. Um, so we we were the we were the we were the centre half pair in that day, um, in both games, and uh, yeah, as you say, we beat the Welsh fairly comfortably in Talca Park four one, but um, but the story was England wouldn't play us because the Dutch, the Dutch had beaten them in Wembley, um, so. Um, the SFEI here were claiming we were the best team in Europe. <laughs> so um, it was a long shot, but anyway, we'll take it. Um, but it was great. That was a great experience, you know, really great. Vincent was a lovely man, um, great man, uh, great football man. Um, I haven't spoken to him in a while, but um, I've met him a couple of times while on holidays, and he's, he's, uh, he's a gentleman. So you began your senior career with your local club balls in 1979, and uh, we asked some of our listeners to send in some questions. So uh, the first one comes from Jason Maloney. He writes, "What do you recall from the balls versus Rangers game at Daly Mount in 1984, and how disappointed was it to lose out to two late Rangers goals in the second leg?" Yeah, we, you know, it was. Um, what I remember about that, there was probably. You know, there was three or four days that were tough because obviously we were semi-professional. Um, we played Rovers and Daly Mountain the league on the Sunday. Um, and that was obviously the great Rovers, uh, 80s teams. Um, 
you know, some fabulous players. But um, we played them on the Sunday. We beat them 1-0. Um, and I only got into the team um, that day because Alan Kinsler, Billy, Billy was preferred in Alan Kinsler in the pre-season games. It was pretty... We weren't in the in the league that uh, I think we were in. I think it was about three or four games in, and um, Alan got injured, and Billy put me in against Rovers, um, and uh, I, you know, played well and did very well, at, and uh, kept me placed then for the Tuesday night. Tuesday night we were playing Rangers, um, so um, I remember driving up. Um, with my partner at the time and she was pregnant with my eldest lad and um, and the swarms of people like um, at uh, because I came I came from say the Glass Nevin side um, I didn't come from my home and um, the swarms of people in and around the shopping centre the Rangers supporters um, and that would have been kind of early on I would have worked that morning <laughs> I would have went to work Um I got a half day. Um, you were a so, player um, of CIE, was it? Yeah, I was in Inchicore Works at the time. Remember it well. Um, and um, people go, you know, Brick Lane and CIE, what were you doing? Building buses with blocks. But um, it was quite a big industrial, uh, that was an industrial setting. So a lot of the, a lot of the work in, in the works. So you'd be moved around areas. Um, the works was uh, basically looking after all the, the the furnaces and the kilns. They all had to be uh, lined with a uh, fire brick. So um, I didn't do an awful lot now, I have to say, that morning. But um, but I would have been in at 8 o'clock, like so, and I was living in Kinsale at the time. Um, so it would have been an early start. So we were playing Rangers that night then. But all I remember was the swarms of people, Rangers supporters. Um you know, most of them were pissed out of the head, even at that time. So that probably would have been about five, five, half five. Um, so um, yeah, it was, it was, um, it was a great night. And what I remember, the safest place to be was on the pitch. You know, so um, and uh, I was Martin Davy Cooper. Davy Cooper would have been on the world team of the year, probably. A year or two before that, he as part of he was part of the Scottish team, um, that would have been, um, in and around, but uh, good, good, great player, you know, great player, um, gave him a few. I I slid in early on on him and he skipped by me, you know, and I, and it was funny really because obviously the balls are whatever Irish, whatever you want to call it, because. It was quite a lot. We weren't really well supported, boss. But um, there was a hell of a lot of people there that night down the sh- down the shed end. But they had the the obviously the terrace and all the terrace and then stands and all were all open at the time. But the Connock Street side was divided in two. There was a gap of about fifty for about fifty sixty feet where they put they put temporary railings up. So there was a gap in the middle. So when I was down down this the shopping centre end, I was getting abused. And when I was down there, going on my overlaps, um, he was getting abused. So um, it was uh, it was a great night, great night. You know, it's it's one it's it, it's one of the the fondest memories I have. 
um, at that time, you know, um, playing playing in those games. And then the second leg, Dermot O'Neill played out of his skin um, in saying that uh, Jackie had a great Jackie, Lord of Mercy, and had a great chance to put his 1-0 up in Ibrox. Um, and he didn't put it away. And then, as 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 everybody knows, then it was, I think it was two or three minutes from the end, then they got, David McPherson got a header. It was a um, very wet night and uh, he just got a skim on the header and uh, I think Gino had lost him, but he was a big lad and, and a flew boy there. And then they got they got a second in the, in the injury time. So, yeah, um, a lot of tears in the dressing room. I wasn't really one for shedding tears. Um, you know, I always thought that team and I always think to that day, um, to this day, really, um, the Blackpools team is just the nearly team. Really, um, we were never, never won anything. Um, I'm saying that never won anything with anybody else, but um, certainly uh, that was for so many uh, great players. I was lucky enough to play play with some great players there, and obviously a lot of them went on to 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 Rovers. Uh, Jacko, Jacko would have been a good friend of mine. Jacko McDonough, um, Mick Bourne went, of course, but Mick, Mick was a great player. Uh, Gaff Brady, Dulo, of course. Um, Liam O'Brien was with us for a while in, in Bowes. Um, so, yeah, was, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of great players, lucky enough, went in. I'd have to say, really, I had a chance of joining Rovers in the 70s because um, Gilesy had been up at my house a couple of times. Um, to try and get me to sign for the for uh, for Rovers, and it was probably just two things geographically. Um, it wasn't you know it was the days where we hadn't got a car, like, um, and um, I had no way of getting there. Um, even though Hardy Hardy, I think his father was driving, so it might have been a chance to go in there. But I just started an apprenticeship as well, so I remember. My father arguing big time with 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 Johnny um, about that, so it was probably um, it was probably uh, that that swung it really. Um, plus the fact um, you know people ask me did I support Bowles? I suppose I did in a way, but um, but uh, I could see the lights of Dalyman from my back garden in Cabra, and any time them lights were on, uh, myself and my mates were down there. Uh, off we go and um, as you know everything was held in Daily Mount at the time so it mightn't have necessarily been bowls that were playing um, it could have been cup semi-finals league cups whatever the case may be Tyler Cup in them days um, so um, <laughs> it was just football mad so you spent six years at Bowles, uh where you earned a reputation as one of the best attacking fullbacks in the league as you say Major trophies did elude you there at Denny Mount Park before you moved on to Dundalk. And a mystery injury kind of restricted your appearances there for Dundalk for three years. What was that about? Yeah, you know, listen, um, even though I spent a lot of time in Bowes, I never really I never really felt uh, the manager trusted me. And um, obviously, it was... It was uh, close to my heart, um, but it just felt that I, I needed to move to um, 
to gain some um, really probably value really from from a manager. Torley had um, I'd met Torley actually just in town by by chance. He was uh, he was um, I think working with Jody, and he'd be doing his rounds around the shops. I think as part of my job in CIA, we were in um, the, the ticket office there, Fifty Nine O'Connell Street. Um, so I think on my lunch break, I met him in Moore Street, and um, he was, you know, he was. I I'd had a good season, and and um, I just I just felt that I still I was still trying to prove myself to Billy, and uh, and even the case where Alan was in prior to the Rangers games and Rovers games and all. Um, I just, I just, uh, I just felt it was time to go. So, I was never influenced by money. It never influenced me whatsoever. It was never, it was never a big issue with me. Um, and I'd numerous, on numerous occasions, I was offered to go, um, to other teams for a lot more money. But I, I, I always wanted to go to places that I felt, number one, we had a chance of winning something. But number two, um. I could, I could, um, I could enjoy it there. It was all about enjoying it. Um, so, totally sold it to me. I went to Dundalk. I had a what I thought was a fabulous first year, um, and then in a preseason game in the second year, I went in for a tackle. Draw had it um, would have been, um, we would have been playing draw in a preseason. They might have been in the first division at the time. I'm not too sure, but I, when I slid in, I got up. Um, I won the tackle, got up, and I felt um, a kind of a sharp pain, um, top of my leg, bottom of my behind. Um, so I came off. So I was being treated as a deep, a deep hamstring injury um, for about six weeks, and it just wasn't going away. Um, and um, in the end, really, there was only one person to see in, in Dublin or probably the League of Ireland that time if you were really, really injured, and that was Tony O'Neill um, in Capel Street, Dr. Tony O'Neill. So I went to I went to Tony, he sent me to Jervis Street at the time, the hospital, which is now obviously the shopping centre. Um, got an x-ray, and um, he, he uh, obviously, it was, it was the days without uh, mobile phones. So... He contacted my uh, my wife to the time because she was in an office and it was the only landline that that I could give her. And um, I uh, he had seen the the now when I was in Jervis Street, the nurse kept saying to me, "We were looking at the X-ray." She kept saying, "What? What's that?" And I'm going like, "Well, if you don't know, I'll hardly you know." So anyway, it was a piece of bone that had, um, broke away. Um, from the top of my leg and had lodged into a muscle. So that was the freak injury that was. Um, Tony said to me, "Good news, bad news. Uh, the good news is it's not it's not career threatening. The bad news is you won't play this season." So um, I did play that season. Um, I was determined to get back. So basically, it was rest. Went to see a specialist. And he gave me two options. One was to get an operation where they'd have to remove some of the muscle. And um, that could have been, uh, he couldn't guarantee the full working of the muscle again. And the other option was eight weeks of rest, pure rest, and um, and then just swim. And, um, and then come back and give a full blast. 
and see how how it is, and um, and if it's still actually willing to operate. So I came back eight weeks later, and there was no reaction at all. So I had a couple of couple of training sessions. I got a couple of games in with Dundalk near the end of the season, but I was left out of the cup final against Rovers. Um, Rovers Rovers won that I think three 0 Uh, it was those days. It was only a couple of subs, um, so I wasn't even on the bench. Um, and I'm trying to think of the the winger that played with Rovers that day because I met him in the bar after, and he was he said to me, "I was delighted to see you weren't playing." Um, he uh, was not much sure it was Morphy or something there, but um. He he got man of the match. He had a great game. Gino Gino Lawless would have been uh, playing right back that day. Didn't have the best day at the office, but you know Gino was a great player. He was he was really you know mainly a, a, a midfielder really at the time. But you, that was it. Really missed out on that. And then halfway, um, and then half, I told Torley then that's the kind of person I was probably. Um, uh, a bit too honest, really. I told Torley then early, early in the following season that I was going to America. Um, I was emigrating in December, so um, the the appearances were more were more or less gone. I got a couple of games. He was putting me on in games where we were really, um, you know, where we were struggling really. But um, anyway, we uh, we were clawing our way back into games, but. Uh, he didn't play me an awful lot, uh, and that came back to haunt him because when when I was coming back from America twenty months later, he rang me in America, uh, and I basically said uh, I'd think about it, um, because uh, I didn't like the way I was treated before I went, and uh, and that's um, I kind of stick to my principles on that. Um, there was a couple of clubs uh, that called me when they heard that I was uh, coming back. But Rovers weren't one of them. Um, but uh, I just left my options open and came back then. And and how I and how I got to Rovers was I, I was back. I flew back in on the Monday. I remember it into Shannon, and I was at a game then um, on the Tuesday night in Dalymount. Rovers were playing bowls in the in the. I would say it was the Leinster Senior Cup. Um, and Rovers were at home. I couldn't. I couldn't fathom it. Like I couldn't understand how Rovers were playing out of that amount. Um, but um, Rovers won one nil. And just by chance, uh, I was I was sitting in the stand on my own, looking at the game. Half time was um, I was just looking at the program, and Philip Green um, was coming down from the commentary box. He was doing the radio, and Philip uh, spotted me, came over, asked me what I was doing back from America um, and within three or four minutes Liam Buckley was up the steps Liam would have been one of the King's assistants at the time and uh, asked me would I talk to Noel and um, and uh, I spoke to Noel and played the following night then against Belgrove in uh, Clontarf for the for the reserves and that night then I signed for Rovers Things moved pretty quickly there. And another man who made his debut in the same month was actually Derek Tracy, who ended up staying for 17 seasons. Yeah, no, Derek. Uh, Derek's a good lad. He works. Would you believe Derek? Um, my eldest is a, he's an electrician, and Derek uh, 
he does a lot of work. So my eldest son's working with Derek now quite <laughs> a lot. Like they see each other, wouldn't be there together all the time. But um, um, I used to I used to pick Derek up. I lived in Bayside, um, and um, at that time, and I used to pick Derek up. Derek used to come in. There used to be. I used to have a van. Um, I was out working on my own then, and I'd say I had half that reserve team in the van, and. Um, <laughs> Derek would have been one of them. Pat Trehi, Sean Bourne, um, quite a lot of lads. So as you say, it was quite strange playing our home games at our rivals ground, Danny Mill Park. So in 1990, we were back in the south side, now playing uh, at the RDS in Balls Bridge. So did this feel like the first proper home again since Milltown? Yeah, well, it was It was very odd playing in Daly Mountain. Obviously, there was a lot of boycotting going on between... Talca Park and and um, and Daly Mount, and then I played. I I was lucky enough to play, or unlucky enough, whatever way you want to look at it, to play against Rovers uh, in Milltown. Um, and what you know, obviously, what happened um, was shameful. But but um, to me, my first year in day in in Rovers in Daly Mount. I just kept my nose clean. I was, you know, it was, I toddled along. I, I thought I did okay. Um, but when we arrived into the RDS, and I always remember it because I had Vinnie Arkins, Sean Bourne, and Pat Trehi, uh in in the car with me, and we were just told to report to the RDS. There was, um, there was some, they were taking a photograph, a team photograph, and um, sure. So we didn't know where we were going in the in the, in the RDS. So we arrived in on the far end, the, the near end, the Bellamy's end, say, um, and um, and I parked up walking across. You probably you wouldn't get near it now, but we were walking across the pitch, and I always remember uh, looking at the surroundings and going. I always remember it, and Sean remembers it because I said it to him. I said, "I'm going, I'm going having a bit of this," you know, and. Um, you know, because you'd have to take into consideration at the time a lot of the pitches around the country, you know, a lot of the stadiums uh, weren't great. Um, and um, we were moving to this. It was, uh, and then plus pl- plus the fact then that um, Rovers were back on the south side, even though I was, I was an outsider. Um, I understand, I understood um, really the feelings about it and, Obviously, the hurt, the pain of it, um, but it was great. It was, it was. I really wanted to be part of it, um, I, and I hadn't signed a contract. I only signed a year with Rovers, you know. So, um, um, I signed a two-year then, with, with um, pretty close after that. The first game of the RDS had uh, an astonishing attendance of twenty-two thousand against uh, Brian Kerr's St. Pass. Unfortunately, it was a bar draw with yeah, a, a bit of hoofball. So was that kind of a, a missed opportunity there because a lot of those people never came back? Yeah, we had a good crowd. We had a great crowd then and we had a decent crowd for the next one. I think it was Derry. But of course, Derry always brought a, a good contingent with them. I think, I don't know, 11, maybe somewhere between 10 and 12, maybe. Um, it probably was a missed opportunity. You know, it was a terrible game. It was an awful game to even play in. Um, very little happened. Um, and I would say the occasion probably got to everybody. Um, 
but certainly uh, could have been a miss, missed opportunity. But it was a, it was a fantastic um, fantastic. Uh, um, I, I was really honoured. Really, it was a great honour to play for Rovers in in the RDS, and, and um, it really was. And uh, I I would have to say that. Um, I put an extra step, a pep in my step anyway, without a shadow of a doubt. So Noel King converted you to a midfielder. And uh, I've seen that you said that you particularly like the right-hand side of midfield at the RDS once you moved out there because it was nice and wide for you to get down the flanks. And uh, you were called Mr. Versatile, I read. Used to call you back then. So do you have a preference, defence or midfield? Um. Would you believe, like, when I played schoolboy, uh, even though I played centre-back against, uh, for the Irish under-age team, I played either, it depended on who we were playing against, but I was mostly a midfielder up, up front. And I'd over 200 goals in the in the schoolboy football. Um, um, so, when I got, when I, when I uh, got converted to a right-back in bowls, that was just probably out of, um, desperation because there were so many injuries in the team um, and I would have played uh, for the reserve team for Bowes in, um, in in my first season uh, and then second season really I kicked in at, at right back I was getting quite a few goals in the reserves with Bowes as well but again I was hopping between both squads um, first team and second team so I was really only converted into a full back in bows and then suddenly I, I you know bounced onto the scene um, and what I brought the energy that I brought a right back obviously I went from I signed a two year with bows when, when I was uh, 16 and a half 17 um, the first year I was in European squads they played in the UEFA Cup and I was in squads then and and um, but um, I didn't really settle really um, and I was finding it difficult um, and I remember talking to Billy the second season at the start of the second season and he said to me I'm going to take a chance with you and keep you so um, I, I was quite surprised that he was even having the conversation with me uh, um, but but um, I ended up getting reserve player of the year that year from the supporters um, but but I didn't I didn't get player of the year from Billy used to have his own. So uh, the right was probably on the wall then. And then the third season, I was player of the year in the first team in Bowes. So I kind of hopped on the on the scene fairly quickly. Um, Noel, as you say, I played everywhere with Noel. Like I would have played um, left back, centre back, right back, right mid, middle and mid, left mid. Um, he didn't. I don't, he didn't trust me up tops or in goal. But um, yeah, I liked the wide right. I did like it, you know. Um, and I would obviously say my best football was with Rovers, so it would have to be the right side of mid. Five goals you scored for Rovers. Uh, I don't know if you remember them all, but we've been told by just a Mason your best one was probably a cracker of a winner at Oriel Park. In January I, uh, 1990. Do you remember that one? I never forget that one. Because, <laughs> as I said, um, um, John Devine had just missed the panel, um, or missed the panel early on. 
And to this day, you know, obviously John's in America now, but uh, to this day, John always brings that up. You know, always brings it up. This man got me out of shit. Um, because uh, we done really well that night and um, we were we were the far the better team. And I remember, I'm not too sure who scored. It might have been Vinny. Uh, I'm not too sure. We were 1-0 up and Mick, Mick Shelley scored, but Mick had come in on his right foot and totally miscured the whole thing. And it flew in like... Went in and it was one off, and um, and I always remember as the ball came to me, Mick. I could see Mick just over my shoulder, so I just I fainted to go down. The ball had come was coming to me. I fainted just to play it down the right, and it just came in onto me left. And I said, "So why not?" And um, I hit that, and when I hit it, I just I knew it was going in because it was one of them that just went away from Alan O'Neill was in goal for, uh, for Dundalk that night. And uh, I remember him coming up and he was going to give me a bit of stick after, you know. Um, it takes a lot to be him, doesn't it? Yeah, he was, he was a great keeper. Played with him in Dundalk. Um, the two O'Neills were great. You know, some great goalkeepers around. Um, obviously, Jody was, 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 um, was brilliant in uh, Rovers at the time as well. So, um, yeah, Alan was... Top top drawer, and uh, and I remember Dermot like because I would have been, I would have been um, good friends with Dermot O'Neill and Dermot ringing me and he going, "What's this?" I hear it Alan says you got an absolute screamer against them, and I'm saying, um, "Yeah, I was a little bit, you know, I was a little bit surprised myself, really." But anyway, it went in, got a great, it was a great. I never forget it. I never forget. It, it was a great goal, uh, if I have to say so myself. But. Um, um, it was just one of them. I'm saying, I'm, you know, I just made my mind up early that I was hitting it, and uh, I was. It was lucky enough that I went. It went in. And in January 1991, you won your first ever Player of the Month award. And we've got a, another fan memory here from Jason Maloney. He says he saw you gave one of the best individual performances he's ever seen from a Rovers player when we beat Cork four 0 in the RDS. That same month, he says you were outstanding that day. So remember that one. Did you say Jason? Was it Jason? Jason Maloney, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree with him. Um, it was without a shadow of a doubt my best performance for Rovers. Um, and it was just one of them ones that um, uh, Cork had come to town. They were unbeaten, I think, in quite a while, and they were winning the league. As as far as I know, they went on to win it. Well, um, unbeaten run, yeah, at the time. Yeah, and um, I'm not too sure. I'm sure it was discussed, um, but you know they were they were a good side, um, and obviously they went on to win the league. They were you know they were a great side, um, but uh, I was just fired up by that one, um, particularly Cork, you know, um, and um, everything I just everything I did seemed to work that day and, and it was just one of those ones where you built up your little bit of confidence and you were getting the better of them. We were, you know, we were creating chances and putting them in. I think Barry O'Connor got a couple that day. Um, Barry was a good player. Um, Peter, Peter was outstanding as well. Peter Eccles, you know, it was just one of them. It was just one of them that went really, everything went well. Um, but if you were to ask me what my best game was for Rovers, I'd, yeah, I would agree with Jason. Yeah, 
without a shadow of a doubt. And um, I think we followed her up then with a draw, then away to, away to Dundalk the following week. We should have beat them. Um, we should have beat them. Uh, we drew, I think it was nil-nil up there. But, um, um, you know, I was hoping that we could do something that year. We had a run to the FAI Cup final last season, but it ended in a shock one nil defeat to Galway United at Lansdowne Road. So, was that devastating? Yeah, um, really, really wanted to win something with Rovers. Um, wanted to win something, obviously, personally. Um, but it wasn't to be, you know. We uh, we had a couple of chances, Finney and, and Swanee, and we just didn't take our chances. Um, not that we, not that they were they were clear cut, but you know, definitely um, we had a better team on paper. But we just we didn't perform very well. Um, and I remember looking at the clock and lands down and going there. Um, you know, there's not long left now. We'll get these in the replay because we just didn't hit it today. And then uh, then Wayne was caught out. Wayne Cooney was caught out with a ball over his head. Um, they whipped it in, and and John, Johnny Glenn got a touch on it and put it in. Yeah, it was that would have been my third final that I lost. You know, three out three, and um, but uh, yeah, it was great crowd, great great uh, uh, Rover supporters that day. But unfortunately, we couldn't come up with the goods. Did yeah, devastating would be the word. And Ray Tracy came in as manager in January nineteen ninety two. So, what was Ray like to work with? Um, Noel was probably the best coach that I worked with. You know, I won't say manager, but certainly coach-wise, he was straight ahead of Anton that I'd worked with, and um, and obviously he he uh, he put a lot of he put a lot of trust in me in the end. Um, so um, it was disappointing on a personal level that I, just for for myself to see him go. Ray Tracy comes in, you just have to get on with it. Um, and um, he was okay uh, from the beginning. Um, he was completely, it was a completely different uh, style of management. Um, I think uh, Tony Mackin used to do a lot of the training, uh, where Noel, Noel was kind of hands on with the coaching training. Um, so that was a little bit different. And um, yeah, well, you know, I, I finished out that season, um, and then obviously went into second player of the year. Um, was was brilliant for me personally. And then Ray um, Ray told us then that he wanted to meet us all at the end of the season uh, in the RDS. So I remember it well because I I. Um, I said I'd meet him at nine o'clock on the Saturday morning, which was the first person in. So I was there in the RDS at about half eight and, and he arrived in anyway. So, and then he asked me what I was doing there. Cause he said, I'm going to build a team around you next year. And then five weeks later, I was, I was out in the cold. So, um, wouldn't have been the greatest moment in my life to be per- perfectly honest. Um, so, you know, I talked to some people and they say Ray Tracy was their best manager that they played for, but not in my case. 
question from Tommy Tarmy. He he asked the same question to Peter Eccles actually when we he had him on, but uh, he he wants to know: Do you think Ray Tracy was happier working with young players rather than deal with big personalities? Um, possibly. Um, I remember there was quite a lot of controversy. I might have been gone at the time where they were trying, Rovers were trying to get players in and Ray was coming out publicly um, slamming what players were looking for. It certainly wasn't me because I can tell you I was never motivated, as I said earlier, by money. Um, but, um, you know, listen, he was his own manager. He wanted to bring in his own players and that's understandable. Um the manner in which I was I was dealt with was disappointing because that year obviously um I was there was a board gosh response from the league. There was an all stars, I was picked for that team. We were playing in a triangular tournament in, in Talca Park with Man City and Celtic. And um I'd missed obviously playing with that those two games I'd missed the first night back pre season. And when I arrived back into pre-season, then the second night at the Rovers, um, he, more or less, he told me to, he told me to, um, that I was playing the following night with the reserve team in the Alsa club. So, off I went and I played, and um, we well, didn't deal with it really well. So I would possibly say I wouldn't have been a big personality. I would have been, I would have been a, a head down and work really hard and get myself. I mean, I was clean and um, kept myself to myself and um, obviously had my teammates. Um, but, he, you know, he just wanted his own players in and and that's a fact of football. that happens to a lot of players, nearly all players. Um, so that was uh, that was devastating for me in the end. But sure, that's football, you know, but me, my just over three years had come to an end. Yeah, so Dave... Um... The RDS being being an attraction to a, a team or as a player over here is a big thing because that's not something nowadays that would attract a player to sign your club in the league of Ireland is the stadium. No, the only example, recent example I can think is Tada. Yeah, yeah. But there's a lot more to that now. But the, like Bradley and Shane Robinson came back in 2009. Like Tada would have been a factor there. But uh, you're right back then. The, the RDS was it wasn't a league of Ireland ground it was a novelty wasn't it yeah. so. huge draw huge draw so great stuff from yeah. Dave uh, I don't think he said the name of the American team that he played for because he went away in 1988 so he was in San Francisco in the North Californian League and they were called the Greek Americans the Greek Americans I was going to come up with something there but the North Carolina Greek Americans well, Dave, we won't hold that against him no we won't hold that against him at all but Dave yeah so great stuff from Dave yeah, so that's just part there. one so Showing in for Paris 2 later on in the show. Yeah, so we lost President's Cup uh, to Dundalk and penalties after a 1-1 draw in Tala. And uh, we competitive debuts for four of our new signings, three injuries going into the game, which we only found out about on the day. Uh, Kevin Afrooge and Grace, so the team was Manus, Gannon, Lopez, Hor O'Brien and Liam Scales at left wing back, surprisingly. Liam Bergkamp, you mean? Liam Bergkamp, man. He even has the, the hair to match. What a... What a performance this was. And Ronan Finn returned to centre midfield alongside Watts, Mandreau and Burke with Gaffney up front. So Dundalk had five new faces in their lineup: No Duffy or Murray in the squad. So, and they um, dressed like Hull Tigers for some reason. Yeah, horrible kit, wasn't it? I didn't like it at yeah. all. 
Or as Pat Martin said, like the old CIE trains in the 80s. It was like an Orange Man march. Manky. The, the CIE train, yeah. yeah. Felt like it was up in Shank Hill. So, uh, yeah, um, we Mickey D couldn't make the game, sadly, but he's missing it, and he had this to say. I miss the football, obviously, but mostly I miss the whole atmosphere of being in the stand with many people. And I, uh, I would know from the years I've been attending league games. Uh, also, looking and seeing the new players emerge, it's been a big experience that I miss. It's the one thing... I do. I've quite a busy agenda all week, but Friday evenings were something that we are uh, were in my own governance. We go to a match, see people walking, see people talking, a huge thing in my psyche. Going to a match, that is a great phrase. You see people walking to the match, that's real football to my mind, and nothing on TV can come near that. There is humour and generosity about the League of Ireland. There is equality in the crowd, and that is a... Uh, what a quote from Mickey D. He's one of the lads, isn't he? Couldn't you couldn't you imagine yourself back at the bus away bus him milling cans of <laughs> uh, Dutch gold, you sticking the microphone in his face, ham sambo's wrapped up in a in a in a bit of tin foil there, yeah, cracking taking the piss out of the boys now you know pissing in the three liter down down the steps. No, he wouldn't resort to that. Now, <laughs> he's too too much class. So he'd sh- just wait for a piss stop <laughs> doing the bushes. I'm shocked that he hasn't been vaccinated yet. Really? No, he hasn't. I don't think he'd be one of those guys that would want to jump the queue and go, well, I'm for some, the president. I'd say Trump had that needle in his arm like barely an hour after it was approved. Yeah, de- definitely, yeah. Definitely agree with that. But, um, yeah, Mickey D wasn't there, but uh, I was myself and uh, so I saw some of the usual faces because uh, it had been a few months after all, so just, you know, you haven't seen these people since mm. December, you know. Anton Matthews took my temperature. Well, a man, man of many, many talents. Man we'll of get- many talents. An on-post administrator and a virologist. We'll have to get him on the show, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bit of a sweet left foot in here as well. Yeah, the Whelan's there who uh, both missed Scalzi's goal. Gare. What were they doing? That's up there with you missing Shawzi and Iceland. Oh, I was standing beside the whack. That's bad. Standing beside the whacker. Two of us stand there in Iceland <laughs> taking a piss. Yeah, that's a goal. <laughs> For fuck's sake. And we two of us running out, flutes hanging out. We're hoping we scored it. But yeah, to be honest, Gar, it was so cold. I was freezing my bollocks off. Oh, I was actually jealous of you guys watching at home in the comfort of your own homes Drinking on the stream. Cans of G. Saw Aiden Price after the game, and he was like, "It's like it's nearly like Galway all over again." Remember with the players getting it was that bad. Hypothermia. Jesus. And I think Ray said in the dressing room after he he seen the the teeth shattering. He'd never seen it that bad before. So. It was a cold night. Yeah, it really was. Um, but the media, the media beforehand, Brazzer was asked about Pat Hoban's comments and he said he sounded insecure and it would be different if we'd finished two points ahead but it was 22 or whatever and we're paraphrasing here. So, And on Dundalk's management situation, said the tea lady could pick the team up there and somebody got wind of our podcast before it was released, Prof, I reckon. That was mad. You said that exact same Weird, wasn't it? phrase. But the, he's saying it, the way he said it was, it was as if their team had that much quality that the tea lady could pick it and it'd be okay. Whereas I was saying that they're that much of a shambles that the tea lady could get a, a dig in picking the team. So there's two different ways yeah. of interpreting it, you know what I mean? You were saying different things already, yeah. Of course, it led to, it led to mock-ups of, of Filippo dressed as a tea lady know, and all this. Yeah, even though that's yeah. not even the point of what he said, but... But we'll sum it up like it's a pre-season friendly with a trophy attached to it. It's that. It's little, like that's it. Yeah. And fair enough, we'd probably act the same way if we won it. We'd probably take the piss as well. But I wouldn't look too much into it. We need a couple of a couple of games, five games to get into Australia. 
get your bet your best eleven. It could be longer for us, but um, yeah, we won't even look too much into it. Yeah, I was looking down the dugout to see who was coming out. You know, was it Shane or Filippo or who was making the the cheesy ones? That's that's how he says the shit. <laughs> what does he say? Decisions. I make the cheesy ones. Fuck the, the cheesy ones. So you pronounce the C for C- that's how he says the, the word decisions, which is I really enjoy that. The cheesy ones. Uh, yeah. So the first half chances, prof. We were um, we were a better team. I thought up until maybe. Well, obviously they got the goal in the forty-second minute, but I think they started to put a little bit of pressure on about thirty-five minutes. Well, they they caught us all once, and that was the only time in the game they actually got in behind their defence. With uh, a bit of a ropey, ropey there, uh, pico back pass as well at one stage. Remember that one? Hmm. They played across, and uh, I can't remember who was he couldn't get to. Uh, Scalzi hit the crossbar with a header from a corner. Uh, the downpour came about half an hour in. It was absolutely lashing. Mm. Pitch was in great nick, though. Even afterwards, it was. I mean, you could t- obviously you could tell that it had been, it had been lashing, but I mean, it held up very well. The one thing I did notice, and I was confident about in the fourth half, is that we, I always thought we were in control, and we looked like stepping up a gear. Like we we were there was a couple of little triangles and really good passages of play where we really cut them open, and it didn't eventually lead to that, but it put us into good positions. Which we would always benefit from mm. previously. Now, obviously, we're dealing without Jack and Aaron Mack, but I felt like that we were a little bit laboured and getting up to support after we made those great little moves, little triangles, and we then we were breaking and we were it was like Borky attacking the defence. There wasn't really much support, but like we said, it's still only pre season, and we mm. do look very good. And if you look at the stats as well, like we'll talk about the goal. I re- I like in the last half hour. Okay, we had an extra man, but I really liked the positions that Gannon and Hoare were taking up. Yeah. They were great outlets. We were shredding them on the right-hand side in the yeah. first half. We really, really did well. Gannon was brilliant. The amount of attacks that came in from the right-hand side. I will say something else is that our style of play changed, I think, because Gaffney was up front. And because Greener would normally step off, and we spoke about this about before the game, saying that the two styles, different dimensions that Gaffney and, and Green bring, is that Green is going to step in and take the ball in and look to bring other people in and not necessarily turn and go out of the defender or go in behind them, whereas Gaffney likes to arc his offside run and not be offside. You know, he likes to arc his run and get in behind the strikers, where mm. it seemed like that's what we were trying to do. The amount, How many crosses do we put in? The yeah, amount of yeah. crosses we put in, and we never really did that last season. So that's possibly how we're going to be playing when Gaffney's in the team. But I prefer Greener coming coming short and playing the way we played last year and bringing other players into it. Now, obviously, we've lost Jack and Mac, but we should have the players there to be able to play and maintain the way that we did last year. So We've lost Jack, who played some great defence bit and passes last season, but how about, how about that sublime one from McCann early on? Oh. <sighs> He just cut, cut them open. Right I the think there was a collective. Oh, oh it was class. brilliant! Now it did is the quality kind of dipped as the as the game went on, but that is going to be an outlet. Chris yeah. McCann is going to be a outlet, and we spoke. We said this. We said he was going to be the quarterback, just slingshotting passes. So <laughs> once again, as I'm always reminded that I said Jack was rubbish. I, I never had said I didn't rate Jack. But we both that, did drop Finn last week. So. Yeah, yeah. But uh, McCann will be a player. I, I think he will. He really will. But, but down to the goal, Prof. Who was... Uh, I, I stepped down to get me dinner. I went down to get mm. me pasta. And I missed this goal, so... This was uh, their new Faroese giant. Who was marking him? 
I was only watching them back this morning. Um, Don't say Pico, hopefully not. It might have been Pico. I have to watch it again. But, big, uh, big, big. As Shane Keegan says, he's a big, big boy. There was no jump involved. He just, like... <laughs> Just nodded it in. Like, yeah, he's a big, big man. Yeah. So He'll probably score a few goals from, from set pieces this year, in fairness. So went to the halftime, absolutely freezing, their knackers off, and um, came out, and up steps the Dutch Dynamo, Bear Camp scales, uh, fantastic stuff. I, come, I was watching it with Jane, right? So <laughs> when, it was it was Finner. I wasn't sure if it was Gannon or Finner that I got the cross in, but when I was watching it back on Twitter, I knew because the way Finner walks after he, strikes a ball he puts his little arms up like a T-Rex and he arcs his back backwards and I said that's Finner that's the way he walks and kind of stops so he swung it in I hope it was anyway that's what I thought Finner with the assist wasn't it I can't watch it I'm nearly sure it was because I, I kind of know the way he kind of stops and puts his little T-Rex arms up and uh, the first touch I thought oh that's nice and then we took the second touch I was there going, no. <laughs> and then when he struck it, I was there, me and Jane are just like, dragging out of each other going, no. Oh! Couldn't believe he buried it. A lot of people thought it was Gaffney because it's something you'd expect more from him, not a defender. Like That, that was some techers. <sighs> Absolutely outrageous, man. A sensational goal. And can, just for the record, can we say that we don't think all ginger people look alike? Just let's clear that up here. They do mm-hmm. have souls, prof. We're not going to go down that road again. <laughs> yeah, it's so uh, unbelievable finish. And he barely put his foot through it. Arrowed into the bottom right corner. So brilliant, brilliant stuff. His first goal for ours, uh, for the senior team at least, he got one for the B team last year. And he did try, I think he was trying to claim one at Oriel Park last year. Remember there was an own goal? I think he was kind of unfortunate not to that, that I, 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 I would have gave him that goal. Yeah. He did, he headed it in and it wasn't going anywhere mm-hmm. by the goal. And it took a little flick, but they, they ultimately didn't didn't award him it. But it wasn't the four one, wasn't it? Five, four nil. Four nil. Officially his first goal anyway. Yeah, so that was that. But the I think we the game kind of took a took a little spill after it was sixty minutes, so half an hour with ten men, and then I said the tackle itself. Oh, I don't think it might. I, it was a lunge, but it's not red. For I me, don't man. think it's a straight red. It's not red for me. He got the ball ish, but he. Jumped, he lunged in from the side, stood shown, got the ball. Old schoolers will say, that's ah, a decent tackle. Do you know what I mean? But I, I don't know, it was a red. Well, I don't know. What I don't understand is it's nearly a week later and we still don't know what the red was for. Even Shane Keegan was in the media like yesterday and he's trying to find out did he get a yellow for that and a yellow for the fracas afterwards? Maybe so, yeah. And if that's the case, Joey probably could have been sent off. Joey's still giving people straighteners after school. <laughs> find the bike sheds down Rally Square in Crumlin. Joey's the king of the square. Going, uh, going after Chris Shields, which we like to see. Uh, he just <laughs> grabbed the holes and shit, and shit, <laughs> shit himself. So. Gannon Horror straight in as well. Gannon straight in. Love it, love it. No, that's it. Straight, loyalty to the new club. Absolutely mm. love it. But yeah, no, so the red card and then they just kind of batting down the hatches after that and I felt that we were laboured in our approach to kind of it just we just didn't have much pace it reminded me of Derry when we were up there we won 2-1 ultimately but we just were laboured and the angles were all wrong passes of play it's just like you said pre-season playing mm. against 10 men parking the bus and we could have we had a couple of chances in Borky had a shot and goal a couple of saves from the keeper a couple of saves from, from the keeper from Berkey, 20 yeah. shot and goals 20 shots and goal 18 by Bork yeah, yeah, he was shooting. Putting in windscreens. <coughs> shooting a lot in this game, let's say. I think the last time I gave out about him on this show, 
was probably when he scored four five against Cork the following week. Yeah, so maybe yeah, I should yeah. give out. Do you remember the one where it was in the, shooting into the first half? It was about fifty yards out. It was a free kick near the halfway line, and he's running at it. I'm there going, "What are you doing?" <laughs> and he just scuffed it along the ground, and the defender, defenders off Dundalk, and I just thought <laughs> someone ran him in. Like someone just tell him, "You don't shoot every chance you get." Come on, you have to, to like let's let's play smart here. But listen, like so, we uh, said, it's it's pre season. <clears throat> but uh, I don't I don't expect that to continue now. Yeah, so one all the old the old charity shield that was actually shared a few times when it was a draw. But uh No, not, you can't share silverware. No, no here. It's the first president's cup uh, at the end of the draw, but no extra time that I straight to panels. And uh for, for the observant among us, uh did you notice this? Gannon had to stay out of it. No. Out of the penalty shield for it to be 10v10. And this also happened against Ilves. Because we had scales sent off. Ah, yes. So they had to drop one of their men. And Gannon? To even it up. Maybe he put the hand up and said, I'm not feeling it, you know? The referees just stopped him. Oh, the ref stopped him? Mm. So, oh, it would have been a... Oh, I get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeez, that was a bit unfortunate. Yeah. That's actually a good one to look up in the rule book to see if the ref can stop or do we nominate you know what I mean? I'm not sure how it works. Yeah. So, yeah, chances to win it in the 90 minutes with a couple, like we said, a couple of shots here and there, but they pretty much battened it down and uh, they were playing playing for the penalty shoot. They didn't want that to do with it. So, ultimately disappointing, but listen, it's I think I think we'll fare a little bit better over the 36 games than than they will. But the penalty shootout itself, Hoban and Dylan Watts score from the spot. Slogger blazed it over the bar. Greener, doubt me now. Cleary, uh, a greener scored clearly scored I was, I was hoping he'd, he'd miss Prof Joey Chris Shields all scored the penalties and Gaffney's effort would say it was a bit of a poor effort Boyle ballooned it over and then fell to Borgie to win it that was the problem I, I knew he, had to, he could win it on the spot Yeah, oh, this thing is still going Jason Bourne-esque it was really really bad penalty Dude, this thing landed on a 54 a outside you're talking maybe 10 feet over the bar it's really bad yeah, it was wild mental now was the wind going into that direction because you were there was the wind going into the square? I think we were, play- been- I think we were playing with the wind the second half. Ah, Maybe people just- can correct me on that. But- it was a poor one already. But there was a few wild ones though. Wasn't there? Yeah, there was mental ones. There was another Maybe- one that went skied over the wire as well. Maybe the conditions were a factor. Could have been, but I don't know. Someone uh, Sluggett was picking at the penalty spot after he missed his. So Because the, the conditions... I don't know if the commentator gear, Adrian Eames, mentioned this. But it was very blustery conditions. But yeah, the the Tesaurus was out for that one. <laughs> uh, Lee scored and Pico saw his penalty save, and I had every 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 confidence in the world that Pico scored. But unfortunately, uh, a BB. It wasn't to a BB. <laughs> oh God! Oh. Between dropping Del Piero and that, I it wasn't to a BB. You need to get out of the club. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, um, yeah. His celebrations. Uh, a tad over the top. Yeah, he's already won the Champions League, didn't he? Mustn't have much silver in Albania. No, I don't think so. Um, and, and you mentioned Dida earlier coming off his line. This fella was off his line for a few days. I think it's like they forget. They get caught up in the hype and the madness of a penalty shootout and the, the refs are just like, oh, fuck. But then what's the point of the linesman yeah, standing you're there? You're right. I totally agree with you. They should, their, their job is to look at the feet. They, look at his body have, they have one job look at his feet and if he steps off that line before the penalty before the whistle is blown then you take it again it's going to be pet peeves in football it's simple it's simple stuff prof 
Yeah, but then Doc, I mean, I suppose they'll feel they've put down a marker here with these tins and pots they've after been winning in pre-season. <laughs> pots. I mean, Gerald, someone is arguing with you on Twitter and they mentioned the Jim Malone Cup yeah. in an unironic way. Then you just close the app. Shane Keegan said it as well. You're wasting, you're wasting your time. Yeah, yeah, I believe it. Yeah, Shane Keegan yeah. said it as well. Shane Keegan says, you know, we won two, two cups in two weeks in pre-season. <laughs> exactly. That's a good Jim Malone Cup. It's a good impression, actually. Yeah. Mine are usually terrible as well. <laughs> I actually, I can't hate him. I don't hate him. Yeah. Like It's going to take a while to hate him. I hated Kenny, I hated Perth. He's a good football mm. guy, you know what I mean? He's listened to this show before. Yeah, you know? no, I do. Yeah. I do like him. Like, And he doesn't kind of mm. go out of his way to kind of hammer the other team or say any roundabout sly things. He just kind of yeah. calls it how it is, unfortunately. So I will, we'll learn to hate him. But uh, everyone knows the real business was always Pats this week. But uh, By the way, I remember my prediction last week. It was one on in penals. I would, oh. I would have been right Prof gets an apple Berkey hadn't hit the satellite Fucking hell yeah uh, So uh, possession Prof uh, I, I was This made me feel a little bit better Now we had 66% possession There was half an hour we te- we, Against 10 men And we 20 shots to 4 So um, They're 5 And We 5 on target And they 3 on target But We st- Considering Berkey took 18 of them <laughs> From outside the box uh, but we know the possession is a big thing as well. Consider, like we said, there were a man down, but it is. It's good, and I'm happy going into this game. I'm happy going into, into Friday. I think people will need to be a bit patient because it might take Brazzer time to find his his best eleven. That team that he had with Jack and McIniff, like that was fine tuned over the course of two seasons. Oh, yeah, huge, wasn't it? That's a big thing to kind of just. Tinker with it now. Tinker is probably the best word. Tinker with it in the right way that doesn't totally disjoint the whole team. So, so don't be expecting seven wins out of seven to start of this season. Just scribbling here, Prof. Scribbling. I'm already thinking about me starting eleven here. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's and that's it. So we move on from from this crap. Um, the ref performance. Oh, uh, what do you think? I actually didn't think he was too bad. I saw some people giving out about Damien McGraw. Damien McGraw. Yeah. Oh, wasn't he? he kind of let the game go? No, I wasn't. I wasn't too upset with him. Well, the only reason I've even put him here in our notes is because uh, we saw we saw the dog fan say that the Rovers players refereed the whole game. Oh yeah, that was nuts. Oh, the irony! They've they've masters of the dark arts for years, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Wow, it could have been a wind up. Could have been a wind up. With ESPN, uh, my old workmates tweeted Scalesy's goal as well. Uh, just every every sort of kind of decent football Twitter account was was mm. tweeting it. So delighted with that. I actually love the South Stand view of you. Did you see that one? Yes, I saw all of them. I saw three different views. Actually, it was brilliant. Mm. I think then somebody somebody said on Twitter said if uh, if that goal had been scored near Tristy League, everybody would be raving about it. <laughs> <laughs> Although the South Stand view actually made me kind of sad in a way because like we should have been up there, up on yeah. up on the perch, roof lifted off the place. It's a uh, it's a bit sweet and sour, isn't it? You know, you're up there and you're where you're seeing the view where you usually would be, but you want to be there. But uh, yeah, so we we'll move on. We we'll move on, Prof. We we'll move on to that. And um, hopefully no injuries anyway. I don't think we do from that game. No nicks or knocks. And the club launched a competition on social media. Send in your commentary over Liam. Oh, I didn't see this. I didn't see this at all. I have to keep an eye on the on the. I missed. I even missed something today. I missed getting the Tifty's name on the back of the jersey. Rovers oh, were yeah. tweeting out names on the back of jerseys. I missed that one. Wallpapers for your phone. Should have got Prof 17. Prof 17, yeah. So uh, the club launched a competition on social media. Send in your commentary over Liam's 
goal from Friday night using the hashtag sensational scalesy for the chance to win a signed scales shirt. Oh, I'd love to have heard a few of them. Um, Shane Keegan, one of Dundalk's seven managers, said after the Dundalk uh, have a little hoodoo over Rovers, and that's uh, mind games to say the least. To try and you know give his players a boost, I'd say, and make sure the tea lady puts in the right amount of tea bags, which is picking the left and right folds. I'm just gonna look at this in black and white, Gary, because stats wise, I don't consider anything to be even a sequence unless it's three or more. And three games ago, we hockey them four nil on their own patch. Mm. So, that is not a sequence. No, not, not a hood of any sort. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. So the oh the squad photo shoot was at the weekend. So a lot of chest grabbing and finger pointing. And Joey is an avid bowler. Yeah, or bowling in Joey's case. Bowling in the alley or down in Crumlin Village there at the bowling green. I don't know. Or um, yeah, you wouldn't know. Some insinuations by other people who won't get into that. <laughs> yeah. Just, um, you see the aerial view of um. Looking down at the, the squad spread out in formation. Yeah, that was pretty cool. <laughs> Billy Nolan and Robert Jack, he goes, fuck's sake, thought they were lining up to do that Jews Lemon dance. Oh, yeah, Jews Lemon. <laughs> Jeez, we're even dealing with that in work. Places out the door. They're out again today. Out, how, why are they at it again? It's done. They just started doing it at 11 o'clock today. I was like, okay. Anything to get out of doing a bit of work, prof. They're not grafters. They can't, they can't get the workers anymore, prof. So, uh, yeah, a Rover Sue drew all with Derry. And um, uh, friendly at the Roadstone. So that's 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 fucking, that's good stuff. The Hoops team is made up of an under-19s team. And the goals came from Edomo, Imaku and Kona Noonan. I'm hearing good things about Edomo, Imaku. And it's from Paitoi, so actually it probably means he's terrible. Yeah. So... <laughs> Bluebell 2025 so Bluebell 2025 yeah no great stuff from Young Inomo and uh, hopefully he kicks on and uh, the club released a statement the other day Shamrock Rovers FC have signed a pre-contract agreement with striker Graham Burke that will activate once Graham's existing contract with Preston North End ends in May 2021 so this long term contract will say Graham remain with the hoops for at least three more seasons and that means another 400 shots over the bar <laughs> but Graham great to have him back and I think he's going to flourish this season Financially, we've done pretty well here because we oh. we sold Graham for a fee, and we've been how many seasons is this now? We're going to have him for not free because we're paying his wages, but but we're not paying what they're paying him. Like they're <laughs> they're paying him stupid wages until it's yeah. uh, it's it's done, and then we'll get him back on the wage that we we can afford. So that was masterstroke, really. Uh, so great stuff to have Graham back for the next three seasons. Uh, our game way to Derry next week might be postponed because of international call-ups. Stephen Kenny announced his squad on Thursday, so we'll see if Borky is in it again. And are we talking about under-21s as well? We're talking about scales. We're talking about... Yeah. Oh, Ferugia won't be there because he's injured. Yeah. Um, mightn't have too many, now. Unless Pico's goal to begin. But interesting one about Pico, right? Pico's Cape Verde. Uh, Dundalk tried to have their game with Harps called off there because they have two senior call-ups, but they weren't allowed apparently the rule is that they must be Ireland or Northern Ireland call-ups doesn't, really? doesn't count for foreign nations it's a bit fascist isn't it <laughs> there you go that's a bit strange I never knew that I did not know that so if now. we only had so let's say that time was it Aramak and Jack got called up and Pico and we got a game called off so mm. if Aramak didn't get called up it was Jack and Pico we wouldn't have been able to call off apparently not there you go you know something there every day prof but um, yeah in the Ireland squad, I think the three goalkeepers are doubts, aren't they? 
So Gavin Mazzoon is probably in with a show there. Big Gab's highlight reel is brilliant. If you can check it out, check it. I think it's on his Instagram at the moment. Check check it out if you can. Now, in fairness, they've been getting peppered the last while. I've been keeping an eye on them, and uh, it's they're struggling. They're bottom of the league. They got a big win last week, two one. Uh, they've they've a chance of staying up, but you know what? It's just fantastic experience for the young guy. Men's football, League One. It's it really is a good experience from, and he's the most played Irish goalkeeper out there. So imagine he got he brought in. He's after brilliant. winning their Player of the Month award, so he's obviously doing something right. Excellent stuff, yeah. He did. He got Player of the Month. Brilliant. He won Rochdale. Yeah, yeah. Month. I know he's been yeah. getting peppered like the bottom of the league, so he's he's loads of loads of work to do. So great. So big shout out to uh, the big Gav, and uh, yeah. So that is we have uh, the Gaff friend of the show, uh, Robbie Gaffney, first ever Player of the Year. Shamrock Rovers probably like that. Like how I like again. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm remembering your stats. On. He's on the Upper Tier podcast on YouTube, so check that out. And Robbie is always a great listen and full of jokes and the crack. So check out Robbie Gaffney on the Upper Tier podcast on YouTube. And Reese Marshall, speaker of the BBC, explained his reasons for leaving Rovers and probably what was your take on this summary? L1. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, come on, give it a go. At least try. Guys, did you read that thing? Because essentially he blamed your neck of the woods, Lucan. He said that he was stuck in Lucan and he hated it and it put him off Dublin. Nothing wrong with that. I just, kept, Lucan. I just kept reading and reading and reading. I was like, what has this got to do with football? Unbelievable. Like, seriously. You're, you're off the field activities are the reason you leave. Even though training could be good. You may fair enough, you're not into the team already, but... Hell. <laughs> How long has Al been doing that drive? From Belfast. Yeah, I think he drives up and down every day. He probably hates it, but it's just called being a pro. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, see, Al doesn't drive on the roads. The roads drive on Al. <laughs> uh, yeah, so but, uh, uh, Brad actually went up north to try and meet him that's and, it. Uh, and keep him as well. Mm. Wanted to wanted to keep a hold of him, but listen, it wasn't to be. So we've excellent, excellent replacement there. So very happy with Gannon coming in so uh, excellent article once again by Kieran Shannon in the Irish Examiner titled The League of Ireland is truly Ireland's toughest competition so um, you didn't see that one no I didn't I didn't catch that one tell us a bit about it check it out after the show is it good it's one of those rare positive upbeat articles about the League of Ireland just saying like it's it's their centenary year it's a hundred years and yet you probably won't hear about it it's almost like (laughs) we're ashamed of it but oh, I didn't even know that. I didn't even know it was 100 yeah, years yeah I think a lot of people didn't know he's just he, he's he's making the the logical comparisons to the GAA and and rugby and stuff and like look how much this league has survived and it's still standing and uh, no it's really really good so yeah definitely check out that Kieran channel I will check it out myself of course but we're going to move on now and Prof my uh, CD collection is now uh, marginally less it's just, I've lost I've lost a few CDs now unfortunately you've thrown out your vinyl collection of the Fontaines uh, it's uh, it's not going down well the Fontaines missed out on a Grammy win which resulted in a great tweet by Dodge on Twitter Pat's fan he said that's the Bose factor close but no silverware and I saw another good one as well about something a cabinet so I'll, I'll, it'll come back to me but yeah um <laughs> I like the Fontaines, I'll be honest, but they're officially bows now. There's some, I just don't like them. I, obviously, their music could be good, but I don't want to fucking listen to them anymore. 
Like my, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this right. Great, great. Oh, you want to, you, you want to get focused on homelessness and stuff like that. But what, what are the reasons Fontaines are involved with this? Why didn't they put Focus Ireland on the on the front of the jersey? Why is Fontaines on? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like, just tell me. Would it not give Focus more attention and more funding and more exposure if they had Focus Ireland homelessness on the front of the Bulls jersey instead of a band? Like what? What's you know? I don't know. Someone want to point me out in the right direction here, but I think possibly giving them the jersey sponsor. Could no, have been you're there. asking the right question. I couldn't really understand it either. I don't know. I don't know. But then again, isn't one of their board members involved in music and friends with a band, and he could see it as free advertisement for his mate's band under the guise of a charitable cause? Every time I see it's this, just a mad ramblings of podcasters. Every time I see this, it just goes back to a conversation I had with Farky about three, four years ago, where he noticed this beginning with Bose, and just like he was just like, a, "Why are Bose just all about causes now? It's just it's all causes." Little known fact that Bose Media Company, or what was it, the, a media company in Dublin Seven, also have a team called Bohemians. <laughs> yeah, it's a. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know, maybe it's the pessimist in us, Prof. Uh, so we move on. Uh, the only silverware there is the Knives and Forks. So Sean Hoare will be on the cover of the first hoop scene issue of the season and Sean's birthday on Monday. Bundle and single issue offers available from the club website and get your bundle offer in. I've got mine and I can't wait because we're working very hard on getting these out to you as soon as possible, Prof. The posties in us are doing our best mm-hmm. and uh, we will... Now, unfortunately, there could be an, an issue this week. You might not have it in your hands. Don't expect miracles for the first yeah. one, but uh, maybe in a few weeks' time, we'll, we'll, we'll get better at it. We're going to push the ball out and do whatever we can to have it in your hand on match day, watching the telly or watching LOI and, uh, or the stream, watch LOI, and you know we'll, we'll do our best to get it into your hands on the day of match day so you can have an old browse at half-time and uh, do the old quiz. That mm-hmm. quiz, as soon as the bar opened, that quiz died a death with us, didn't it? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Sit there, do the quiz, and then the barrel was not. It's going to swamp points. And of course, you missed five or ten minutes of the second half. No, that's no. I watch it from the bar because oh, yeah. if you stand there and you open up the door beside the little sneaky bathrooms there, where mm. chairman usually stands, you can see the match and you can drink a point. Oh, the worst was when it was on Air Sport as well, and then you've you've got no reason to leave the no. bar. Sitting there watching it on telly, <laughs> even though we're giving out about watching it on telly now. <laughs> Swamping points. But uh, I have an article in the programme about the one and only time uh, robbers in Manchester City ever met. It this was is back when City were cool, yeah. wasn't it? It's back when they had. Well, let's let's go down the let's go down memory lane here. Nicky Summerby. Who else can you think of? Don't think Summerby was quite there yet. Uh, they had Colin Hendry and Michael Hughes before they were even capped. They, they have like Jesus. They have Scotland. like 120 caps between them, and they weren't capped yet. Okay, that's a long time ago. I'm thinking uh, Sean Gore. No. Georgie Kinclazzi. David White was actually very good for them then. Who I wasn't actually too familiar with David George White. Georgie Kinclazzi was, but, uh, he? He was good. Dave White doesn't ring a bell for me, no. Yeah. That's I think that's I think we were toddlers there at that stage. They had a up front with Niall Quinn, they had a fella called Heath, a striker, and he's now manager of Minnesota United. Minnesota United. In the, the MLS. So yeah, gonna so ch- Quinn Quinn was obviously the superstar then at the time. But um that was um nine ninety one. It was the St. Patrick's Day bank holiday weekend. So they made a trophy for it. Oh, the Shamrock Trophy Challenge. So because they finished 2 all, actually went to penals. 
and City won on penalties. So it's just, I just thought it was cool to write about. It was, it was a game that no one had ever written about before. And, and it ties yeah. in nicely as well. It ties in nicely with Paddy's. I got I got interv- got a quick interviews with uh, Dave Connell, um, Derek Tracy, uh, Peter Eccles, Justin Mason, and like you say, tied in with Dave because that was the first season at the RDS when Dave won the Player of the Year award. So, and I got some. They all said that yeah, hundred percent. Dave deserves that year. Derek said no one was even in the running. Yeah, uh, it's going to really be a popular one now. This is so. Um, another thing as well as the hoop scene as well it's there's so much effort going into it like there's there's just so much creativity involved like you've got Maloney you've got Carl you've McDara uh, I think Ryan LeGrew is getting involved now the GOG um, sorry if I don't mention anyone or I'm missing anyone here but there's just so much quality involved in hoop scene and it's getting delivered to your door for little or nothing so definitely get yourself out there and I mean everybody's well hopefully people are saving a few quid but listen Put put some money together, get get a good publication, get it delivered to the house. Everybody's a winner then, really. Um, now as we just said, Jason Maloney, famous Jason, the biggest club Maloney is on a Celtic podcast called Homeboys, and for a fiver you get access to all five parts. And Jason is the first one with a three-hour rambling session about Rovers and Celtic trips, and it's first hours about Rovers, first first hours about yeah, Rovers. Yeah, I listened to it today. Trust me. Listen to this podcast. Go and donate your five or your tenner or whatever it is. Go to Jason's GoFundMe and um, listen. You you really do need to to listen to this podcast. It is hilarious. Jason is a classic old time storyteller, and everything <laughs> has a punch at the end of it. Like it's just yeah. brilliant. There's just something to make you laugh out loud. Ah, it's a cracker. And now this is a. It's all. I think it's all brought on themselves. Now most of these stories, like it's. But uh, geez, now check it out. I was listening today. Uh, I was doing overtime today, Paddy's day as we record this. Uh, happy Ivory Coast, everybody! If you're, yeah. if you're an Instagram footballer, <laughs> Danny. Yeah. But um, yeah, well worth listening. I was laughing away. Fella beside me was giving me funny looks because just some of the crackers. Like, there's there's weird laughing going. <laughs> but uh, the time just flew by. Like I loved the. I'd, I'd heard a few, few of them before, like the Jur Gardens done. Uh, meeting Neil Lennon like that was a cracker and um, yeah Jason posted on Robert Shots so the link should be there if you want to find it so definitely check it out it is a really really good cause Um, and some fucking brilliant podcast John Higgins John Higgins mm. is on it and some just some really really good podcasts so check it out It's and and Jay's always Jay's a good lad going back Milltown long time hoop so uh, yeah check it out yeah, the cause is for a charity that's founded to bring underprivileged kids to sell the game. So, double reason to give it your fiver there. Yeah, it's called Kano, K-A-N-O, and uh, yeah, check it out. Do you know what had me feeling very nostalgic as I was listening to that? <laughs> the other Jason, every every now and then you just hear, yeah, you'd hear yeah, the can opening, yeah. and I just thought, oh my uh, God, when was the last uh, time we had that? It's nuts, isn't it? We're going to have to, uh, oh, we have to plan something. But that's the thing, yeah. like we've got... Like we said, the four provinces, friends of the show, they are opening their, their big arms to us to come in and record whenever we want and have sessions and do whatever. But like you said, when, like, that, I hate this phrase, when things get back to normal. But we'll have plenty planned, so keep an eye out for it on our social media pages. I will say, though, Jason, don't you ever insult my Wi-Fi again after what happened during that podcast. Are you there, big man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you breaking up, big man? 
I love it. He goes to the bathroom for two minutes and it just keeps recording. Brilliant. Jason! <laughs> I used to start taking a piss. Um, yeah, so we can never insult air quality or sound quality ever again. Um, so quite a few League of Ireland podcasts have sprung up as well across the Irish Sea and LOI Rewind. LOI Weekly is back and they've rebranded under the name LOI Central. What was that about? Why did they rebrand? Uh, I think it was, I think it was for sponsorship reasons. I think they're they're it's gone up Thursday, isn't it? So maybe they'll explain then. But bloody shields! I tell you yeah. what, they wouldn't. We we didn't do it. We didn't bow down to the mighty dollar and change our name when we got moved to the south stand. Yeah. We stood firm, stood loyal. Imagine getting sponsored by uh, financial companies and electrical <laughs> companies. Prof, shut up! <laughs> <laughs> but they've uh, they've just reached 150 episodes. I know we're two behind just, now. Just before us, we're yeah. catching up. We're catching up. Um, I've, I've not heard that other one you said there, LOI Rewind. But across the Irish Sea, I've actually listened to the first two of these, and sound quality was 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 poor. To be honest, I hope he addresses that. But I must admit, I'm I'm intrigued by the premise. He he's from Glasgow, right? Right. And he just loves our league for some reason. So who's he follow? He's a Queen of the South fan. And who's he follow over here? He doesn't have a team over here, he just likes the league. Okay. So that's his target audience, is people outside Ireland. Ah, oh, brilliant. To try and get them to buy Watch the LOI and watch it with them. So it's interesting. And um, yeah, like I said, he's in Scotland, so he he's familiar with the Pixlot cameras and he's actually quite fearful of them, of us using them now because he said there's, there was loads of issues with them uh, when they had them there. He said... The camera follows everything. He said at one stage a rat ran across an advertisement board and the camera followed the rat rather than the football. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Um yeah, watch LOI codes are sent out to Rovers members as well. Did I jeez I don't remember getting one. It's always in the junk, isn't it? Or the trash. I never sent out one or two days ago. Yeah. I must check that out. I wanted to, I didn't check. I didn't check. I think mine goes to our don't um, be like don't be like El Berry Bear now. Do actually type in the code <laughs> so that it says ma- mashing the buttons. It's not working. <laughs> Make sure it says zero euros, otherwise you'll be charged over zero euros. <laughs> so check your codes anyway. Check your junk. Play with your junk and uh, check your trash. So uh, your unshaved junk. Your unshaved, yeah, yeah. Unkempt, swinging all around Crumlin Village. Um, yeah so the LOI codes that's them check them out make sure you can have access now you won't need them this week because it's on RTE but you'll definitely need it for the rest of the season so uh, up next we have Davy Connell part 2 the part 2 we always like to ask about uh, the player of the year award ceremonies it's usually good for a story or two so we, we ask players what they remember from the night and did they think they'd win it that sort of thing so in your case there's two ceremonies to talk about since you're a double winner in 1991 and 1992 so what's your memories of both I think the first one somebody had said to me um, you know you'd have because it never it never crossed my mind to be to be perfectly honest I, I knew I might be having outside chance but ne- I never I never thought that um, in his alien years that I'd be winning it let alone winning it twice um, but but uh, first year somebody had said um, yeah you you must be you must be player of the year are you and I'm saying like, how would I know? Um, so, um, so that was lovely. That was brilliant. Really, really, you know, to win a player of the year. 
uh, with Shamrock Rovers, and then obviously received the trophy. You see some of the names on it. I know you did notice at that time that I think um, Liam Buckley had won it twice. Um, I don't know whether I'm right there. Um, but I remember receiving it and then I'm not too sure. I can't really I can't really remember where that ceremony was, but I do remember the second one was in the mansion house. Um because I think uh, the Lord Mayor at the time was a Shamrock Rover supporter. And um and I do remember that one and there's a good, there's a story there where um uh Peter Peter was a great lad, you know, Peter's Obviously, from Cabra, I knew Peter anyway. Um, and I got always going great when he was a super lad. Great player. And um, there was Peter, Dave Henderson, and, me, and myself in for the... They, they were the three nominations. So uh, the MC announced Peter was in third place. Um, so obviously, Dave Henderson, Dave Connell. So word has it that... Um, Word has it, I don't know, um, when Dave Henderson was called out second, he stormed out. So um, he wasn't too happy. So um, I don't know. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't remember seeing that now, but I was told that. Um, but, um, yeah, the second time. I think there was a, there was a couple of Rovers uh, supporters clubs that year. There was three, and I'd won the three of them. And there was a, a young supporters club of the year, and then there was a break-off faction somewhere, and, and I'd won the three of them in the one year, and um, sure, I never, I never, I never really thought that I was in the running for uh, a second one in a row, let alone three from uh, the same season. So, yeah, it was a great honour, really was brilliant honour. Ray Whelan, uh, he doesn't have a question. He just says, just tell him he was universally loved by Rovers fans at the time never gave less than 100%, and that's all we expect. So it suggests that you, you had a good relationship with the fans at the time and probably still do. Yeah, well, um, yeah, like it was just my style of play probably suited the Rovers, Rovers for what they are. like, And, and um, it was, it was, yeah, it was brilliant, you know, and particularly on that side, on, on, on the Rovers side in the RDS, yeah, it was good. It was brilliant. Um, really loved it. Um, a couple of dicey moments with 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 some other players coming back on trains and and uh, giving players a bit of stick, and then I'd be coming through then at Connolly Station. Say we we got a train back from Sligo once they were giving Kinger a terrible time, and uh, he decided to walk through with me because it was Kinger you're the this and who are you, Dave? And um, it was a bit, it was, it was a bit strange, but uh, yeah, I always got on great with with the with the with the Rover supporters. And I think um, when you play when you play with Rovers, um, there's such a there's such um, a team that's high esteem, and they're they're held they're held up there highly and rightly so. The most decorated club in Ireland. It was great great for me to be part of it, and that. And people like say to me, oh, you know, you came from Cabra and you kind of supported Bows and it didn't really matter to me really. You know, there was, there was, I always remember because my brother was a Rover supporter and um, and he he kept that from me until I actually played with Rovers. 
Um, so there's one for you, and he still supports the hoops to this day. Without a shadow of a doubt, yeah, um, I would uh, I'd always be looking out for that result, the Rovers' result. Uh, great year last year that they won the, they won the league. Unfortunately, that they didn't get the double, but yeah, it was it was it was. Um, I had a great relationship, I think, and um, I expect the, um, only the best from them. It was demanding. There was no, no doubt about it. And I've seen a lot of players crumble uh, in Rovers, players that were uh, were um, successful in other clubs. Um, but it was just, for me, it was just getting into the RDS and um, and having that, that pride uh you know, I know, I know for every Rover supporter because, you know, it's quite a few of my friends that are Rover supporters. What it means to them, and um, and I did my best to do my best for them. Um, so I appreciate that um, from the supporters. Another supporter, Peter Murphy, says, uh, "Did Dave regret picking up a young fella, meaning him, after we played Bray away, when he spotted my green and white scarf waiting on a bus home?" He dropped me all the way home and said he'd give me his jersey that had ripped and I hounded him for weeks and weeks. He eventually handed it over to me and I still have it. It's an Admiral's Peros Gold Naval jersey. <laughs> There's a memory from Peter. I remember him. I remember picking him up, yeah. I remember him picking him up. He was there. It wasn't um I'm not too sure. Uh, he was he was on the he was on the road anyway, waiting on the bus and um the bus service out of Bray wasn't great. And um I remember I had uh, I had my wife in the car at the time with me or van or something. Anyway, he was in there. I remember the jersey. Yeah, I gave it to him. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did give it to him. I don't have any uh, Rovers jerseys. I don't have any memorabilia um, from from my playing days. Um, but um, but he's he's he he can hang on to it. He 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 he, he, he hounded me for it, but. Um, uh, I remember handing her over to him. Yeah, I do remember that. And Robert Goggins, I'm sure you remember him. I do remember Robert. Yeah. Robert says you once had a big mop of blonde hair. How did you feel about going bald so quickly? Yeah. Don't I can't really uh, can't really remember, but uh, I kind of like uh, I like having probably a bald head now. I think I was one of the few first. Um, obviously, uh, Jackie was there before me, but um, I remember shaving what I had, which wasn't very much, um, shaving it off. And uh, and uh, when I was playing up north, I went up north from Roberts, and then um, that was the first time that, that I shaved it off. I think I had to up there really to survive, but um, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, didn't seem to bother me. I was I was flying away and, and enjoying myself. So uh, um, I'd kind of recommend it. It's great. I, I, I'd imagine it's great now in, in lockdown with people uh, looking for haircuts and they can't get them. I'm doing their own now, so it's it's good. It's handy now. You're, you're making me consider it myself now, but uh, <laughs> I don't know if you yeah. know this, but Rovers held an online quiz recently. Uh, it's something that the club has done a few times during the lockdowns to keep the fans ticking over. They're uh, they're they're a great night in, and uh, Dave, you burst back onto public consciousness that night because 
Uh, this was courtesy of the winning player in the quiz. The nickname he chose to enter the competition that night was Dave Connell's Bald Spot. <laughs> that, that was his name. So shout it's out. More of a, it's more of a, uh, it's a, it's a bigger bald spot now, I can tell you, yeah. <laughs> so as you say, you went north in December 1992 at the age of 30 uh, for, for a new challenge. Uh, which a lot of former League of Ireland players did around this period, the likes of Pat Fenn and Adam Byrne, Peter Eccles, Harry Kenny. So, so why Ards? Um, Ards came in for me uh, uh, at that time. Um, I remember Ray Tracy. I wasn't playing an awful lot, if it was, you know, to be quite honest with Rovers. I was, I was sitting out games and sitting a lot in the RDS. wasn't great, um, and then. More or less, uh, Ray Tracy uh, came in, uh, came and told me that Newton Ards uh, had come in for me, and they'd agreed a fee. Uh, so it was just up to me to sort something out. Um, so obviously, I wasn't going to hang around in places that I wasn't uh, wanted. Um, but yeah, it was. It was. I have to say, it was tough. Uh, and I didn't really feel like playing in the, the League of Ireland against Rovers uh, so soon, so I decided to go up north. And um, not that there was an awful lot of offers, believe it or not, um, but um, I went up north, and yeah, it was um, it was uh, it was okay. Yeah, enjoyed it. It was a different experience. Uh, obviously, it was in the middle of the troubles, um, so. Um, there was a lot of a lot. The only thing I didn't really like about it, most Saturdays we just got to train up, got picked up in Belfast, and then we we uh, played our game and then back on the train. But the midweek games were always were always hellish because you were driving around, obviously Northern Ireland, where you didn't know where you were going. There was no there was no sat navs, and um, so um, that's the reason why I came back down again. As you say, you, you had three runners-up medals in the FEI Cup, and uh, unfortunately, you got a fourth here with uh, with the Ards after a three-game marathon with the uh, banger. So you must feel really, really unlucky never to get that uh, that winner's memento, I suppose. Yeah, you, you listen. You know, um, would I swap my career for any for medals? No, you know, I wouldn't really. Um, not to say that I wouldn't like a medal. Of course, I would have. Um, I remember that because we. We'd scored, we'd scored with three minutes to go to go one 0 up in in um, in the first game, and Paul uh, Paul Bourne and Ricky McAvoy would have been with Banger, and um, I said um, I always remember it. You know, I was coming coming back. We got the goal. I said, "Yes, this is me here." You know, um, three minutes, and then they got a they got a late corner. I remember, I remember our goalkeeper spilled a real a real uh, handy kind of shot out for the corner and uh, and they equalised in the, in injury time um, so the second one was a nil-nil I think and then and then they Paul I think Paul Bourne got the winner actually in the in the second replay but um, yeah look it's it's disappointing as I say but I wouldn't swap it I wouldn't swap anything um, you know I wouldn't swap anything at all especially uh um, my time in Rovers. So then you came back for for one season at Drogheda, and then five years at Limerick, where you were a player manager. 
also a spell of as manager of Galway United in 2000-2001. So how do you look back in the end of a long League of Ireland career and then your first foray into management? Yeah, like, you know, I probably got into management. I went to Rod really because of Debo and, and you know, Pat was probably one of my favourite managers. I, he'd been in the uh, Rovers um, with Noel for a half a season. 91, he came in and um, I didn't, I, did, I, don't, I don't know what exactly happened there, but he came in um, and I enjoyed working with him. And um, Pat came in for me then in, uh, when I came back from Nards, I told Nards I wasn't staying and um, I joined Dryde again. You're joining it, you know, because of certain, I felt right because of Pat and whatever, but um, I was bombing in mid, in, 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 uh, pre-season absolutely flying playing some great games and then I picked up an Achilles injury at the start of the season and then missed a couple of games came back on painkillers because I knew Pat was under a bit of pressure um, and then he went and then I couldn't wait to get out of there to be perfectly honest and um, um, and then Noel came in Noel King was in Limerick at the time he asked me to sign there I signed there and then I moved down there because it was a fast course I moved down there about six months later and, and that's where I got into the co- kind of coaching thing. Um, and then I fell into management really by by accident really because um, we had a torrid season under Billy Canaan and finished bottom of the first division. And um, and uh, the players the players were all leaving. There was nobody under contract. I'm not sure there was hardly any contracts and uh, the club was in a mess. So... Um, they asked me, uh, the chairman, the priest, Joe Young, had asked me to, would I be interested in taking over? So um, we took over that season and got to the playoffs. And um, it was great. You know, it was really about three or four lads from Dublin. The rest were all, were all from Limerick. Uh, I was living down there and um, it was going really well. And then the second season... We just, just the usual, you get, we hadn't got a big squad the second season. We'd lost a couple of players. Paul Carr had gone to Waterford. Jason O'Connor had gone. They were two major players. Um, and then we were, we were about mid-table at second year with a heap of injuries. And, um, and uh, they decided then to call her a day, which was again a big disappointment considering uh, the state of the club was when uh, when I taken them over, but um, but that's football. Um, but you learn quickly, really. Um, it's a little bit naive in Limerick. Uh, I just thought everybody was on the same p- uh, page as myself. All wanted what was best for the club, but um, you couldn't be further from the truth. It was um, a horror show what was going on in the background, and um, um. So that ended on Valentine's Day, actually, in um, not so, yeah, a couple of weeks from a uh, couple of weeks ago last week, Valentine's Day in, uh, I think it was 99. So, um, um, but it was funny, I, 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 got, I got better off, I got better financial offers from junior clubs uh, than I did from Limerick. Um, a couple of weeks later, um, 
but I didn't go back into management then. I went into Jamesbury then, a local junior club, and um, Fairview Rangers would have been the FEI junior champions three times in a row. They were the big team down there. So, yeah, we, we, we managed to... Um, I spent two seasons there and we won the league the second season, which was a major feat with with Fairview and and we got to the FEI semi. So um and then Galway came knocking. And uh, if I thought Limerick was a mess, Galway's a bigger mess. Um but obviously you don't know these things going in. And uh, there was a change of uh, after a couple of weeks there was a change of committee. Probably writing what writing was on the wall at my first night training sure we arrived up in the barracks in in Galway and they wouldn't let us in because they hadn't paid the bill for three years. So um yeah, that was that was um that was a mess as well. So um I kinda came to the conclusion that I had enough of League of Ireland for for then. Um but I went back into junior football, managed a couple of teams and won a lot of trophies. But um League of Ireland at the time was just what was in the background. The the people that were running the clubs. Um as I said earlier, it was a little bit naive thinking that they were all on this you know, we were all in hanging singing from the same hymn sheet. Nothing nothing could be further from the truth. As most people know, you've been involved with the, the women's underage team for, for many years. You led the women's seventeens to the European Championship finals in twenty fifteen and twenty seventeen. But your most notable achievement was guiding the women's 19 to the semi-finals of the tournament in 2014, beating England, Sweden, and reigning champion Spain in the group stage to get nine points out of nine. So your team really took the competition by storm, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, there. I just fixed that. Um, yeah, it was um, it was great. You know, um, we had a good side, um, some good players. Um, they worked hard. They knuckled down, and we got a couple. Of, we got we got a couple, particularly Spain, the, the the reigning champions. We got them on the hop. We actually um, we played very well um, in the first game in the group, and we went in as as um, as the best runners up in Europe. So we were eight seeds out of eight. So um, you know we caught them. We played very well. We we probably should have beat them. We beat them one now. We should have beat them by more. Played England then. You know, Spain, England, and and Sweden are are joints in women's football, um, as well as men's, um, but in in particular the women's game, um. So it was great. Um, we caught a couple, we caught a couple on um, on the hop, um, and unfortunately then the Dutch were too good for us for the semis, um. But considering um, what league, what kind of leagues our players were playing in at that time, um. Com- compared to what all the other nations were playing, um, it probably caught up with in the end and uh, physically, and uh, we were just we were just goosed for the semi final. But we did play well that day. It was just um, uh, Medina who's playing with Arsenal now at the moment. She she stuck in a hat trick, um, so she was untouchable that day. So and uh, you know. At women's level, it's uh, one player can make a huge difference, as it can in the men's game. But this, she was special. There was a fantastic reaction from the Irish public uh, when the girls reached the semis six years ago, and 
we've seen same same big crowds for women's international games at Tata Stadium in uh, recent times. But is the trick to try and maintain their interest, not just for these uh, one-off events like that? Yeah, I think really, I think at this stage, the women's senior team um, need to be qualifying for championships to generate that that interest in the game um, and to try and maintain it, as you say. And it's trying to get that consistency and they're, you know, they're falling short. Um, and on old guided the senior women's team to a playoffs in 2010, Noel King, and um, and they haven't been anywhere close since. So there's been a lot of improvements off the pitch for the women and the girls, without a shadow of a doubt, because I've I've witnessed that. Um, because I'm in the association since 2006 and seen a huge improvement in all aspects of the game. Um. But but in particularly the women's game, but um, this the senior team uh, have to find it within them to get to a final to get to a finals um, by hook or crook they're going to have to get there, and I think uh, until they do that, um, you know it's going to be very difficult. There will always be an interest from people within the women's game in the women's game, but it's trying to get people um, who have a genuine interest in football. Um, to 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 uh, get on board, and I I, I do feel that um, if they can get to a finals, that would make a huge difference without a shadow of a doubt. Um, you know, it has its critics, um, no doubt about it. Um, I find the, uh, you know, I'd no I no interest or no background in the women's game, but but once I got into it, um, I worked as an assistant for a few years with the 19s and then got the 19s job. So um, it's been it's been successful enough for me. I've enjoyed working, um, obviously, with the with the girls, with the under-19s, under-17s uh, in the past. So I do, I do, I do believe that um, they need to get to a finals. And you said before you came on air, you saw your first game in a while there. Uh, in the current climate with COVID, like how challenging has it been to, you know, arrange games and and get back to action? I suppose. Yeah, it's been very difficult, no doubt. Uh, you know, and as I said uh, as well, you know, um, there's a lot of other people who are in worse positions than myself. So obviously, it's a tough time for a lot of people. Um, people working on the front line. My own son working on the front line has a big family, so. That's worrying um, people with their own businesses, um, obviously finding it very, very hard, very financially um, impossible. So uh, I'm very, very lucky. Um, but um, like everybody, it's been a challenge on your mental health without a shadow of a doubt. Um, but it's just trying to get into routines um, and, um, and, uh, and sticking to those routines. Um, Football-wise, you know, obviously the Premier League is on, and you know, there's some form of sport that's on the TV that that um that keeps keeps uh, keeps me going. Obviously, Sky Arts with their music and and uh, um they between Sky Fo- Sky Sports and and Sky Arts, I don't think I've changed channels. Um, just between those two, so um. It's been challenging and, uh, you know, I'm lucky enough that I can attend games 
just to to because I'm now um, also the score the scouting coordinator for the for the women's football in Ireland. So um, so that that would give me permission to look at games. So I wasn't too far from home today. I was in Athlone, had a look at the game there, and um, it, it's good. It's great. It's great. I'm lucky enough, as they say. Um, I was talking to an FEI representative down there at the game, and we were just commenting on the fact of uh, you know how different football is without the crowds, you know, without the supporters. It's obviously not the same, and um, it must be difficult for the players to be playing in those arenas. Um, that are empty um, so um, hopefully we can get all the vaccinations sorted out and get back to nor- some kind of normality and just a couple of questions left if, if you don't mind uh, who's the best player you played with and against in your career uh, always a toughie and all just some great as I said earlier I've been very 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 lucky very very honoured to uh, play with some great players, really, really great players. Um, you know, Bo's, you know, as I mentioned a few earlier, Jacko and, and Dulo and Jackie, Jackie Jam was obviously uh, a different kind of player. Could be frustrating at times, but, you know, on a skill level, excellent. Terry Eviston, another great player. Um Player that I always voted for for Player of the Year when I was playing, not always voted, but certainly in his in their prime was Pat Bourne. So I I was um, even though I played with Bowles, um, I always kept it fair and, and and voted for who I thought was the best player that we played against. Um, didn't really come into direct competition with him. Obviously, Pat was a midfielder, but um, that was an exceptionally good Rovers team. Some brilliant players. Um, but I just thought he was the difference, um, and I thought that with Jack with Jack Bourne this you know the season just gone. I thought he was the difference for Rovers the last couple of seasons that made them uh, that made them that little bit better than than what was around them. Um, so Pat was probably the best player I played against in the league. Um, on a personal on a on a personal duel, say people that I was marking. Um, Probably Paul McGee, that was with Galway and Sligo, um, ex-QPR. Um, if it was a physical battle, like um, that wasn't a problem for me. Uh, you know, the more physical people were, uh, the more I loved it. But Paul was a different kind of player, you know. He'd be, he'd be a little snibbler in and around, you know, in and around the box. Good player, really good player, and a great, um, and a great goal scorer, so... He'd be both of them were were exceptionally uh, were exceptionally hard to play against. Um, best player I played with, um, uh, you know, it's tough. At Rovers, uh, I think Vinnie Arkins was was exceptional. Um, I thought Peter Eccles uh, was an exceptional player. Um, so they're probably the two best players that I played with. In Rovers, if I had to pick one, I'd probably say Peter. Um, at Bowes, surprise, surprise would be um, a fella called Johnny Rayner. Johnny arrived in from John Bosco with with Paul Paul Doolan, and um, he was unreal. He had everything. John Johnny did. The problem with John was he had a obviously had a weight problem, and um, 
and he fizzled out of the game, but he would have been in that team that Bowes down the played against Rangers. Incredibly good player, had everything. Um, he could tackle, he could shoot, he could pass, he could score goals, had the ball. He wasn't the tallest guy like myself, but um, he was probably the best Bowes player I played with. He was brilliant. Um, and probably going back, I'll give you more again, probably my favourite player probably to look at playing as I was growing up was probably Johnny Fulham. Um, I thought Johnny was brilliant. Um, exceptional player. Both with Rovers and Bowes. Uh, another question from from Tommy, who who I had the question earlier. He says, "Do you think the league is too soft these days?" He's right. He's right. Tommy's asking the wrong man. Um, um, I find it really difficult to look at some games. Um, now, even like even European Premier League, like I'm looking at them, they're nearly you know. They're nearly getting hotel rooms for each other going out onto the pitch. You know, they're hugging and kissing so much. And um, and then the same players then are trying to deceive them down on the pitch with the, with the outrageous dives that's going on. Um, when I was playing, I was more terrified of my own team than I was the opposition. And um, when I joined Bowles first, uh, it was a terrifying experience in terms of, you know, letting them people down. And if anybody was rolling around the ground, you'd be told to get up and stop making a show of them, you know. So, um, obviously, the game has changed so much, you know. And um, has it changed for the better? I don't know. I would, I would go with, with cer- certainly hasn't. Um, my my youngest lad, he's 17. And, uh, and my middle lad is, is 30. And he... Uh, Particularly the thirty-year-old would always ask me, um, um, "Did I think football was better then uh, than it than it is now?" And it's a difficult question to answer for me because I don't want to sound boys. So I always tell them that it's better back in my day. So, um, mm-hmm. but I do, I do think um, I do think uh, there were some really exceptional players um, in the league. Then really was when you look at that Rovers team in the eighties, you know, you look at the players. Every team in the league then had exceptional players. Really did. It was really did. every game is difficult, you know. To so to do what Rovers did in the eighties was 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 a fantastic achievement. Um, so uh, um, yeah, I think it's a bit it's a bit soft um, to say the least and. I know some people that play football in my day. They they tell me if 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 Munster were playing Leinster in rugby and Man United were playing Liverpool, it's a strong, it's a strong, it's a strong chance that to be looking at the rugby, you know. So um, um, I'm not quite gone that far, but certainly it is. Some some of it is uh, a hard watch uh, for the league. You know, I always believe I'm a League of Ireland uh, man. Uh, and I will be to the day I die. So um, I think it's been underrated for years, without a shadow of a doubt. I think some, it's been some great teams and talk. Obviously, over the last couple of seasons, it's been excellent. Rovers have come in the last couple of years and they've been knocking on the door, and now they're there. So it's up to them then to stay there. Um, Bowls are on a different kind of adventure. They, they'll they be steady always. Um, so, um, But I don't see... 
I don't see teams with exceptional players like like there was in my day. Even the weaker teams always had exceptional players, or the so-called weaker teams. You know, so um, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but um, yeah, I'll I'll stand by by my guns there and 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 say that yeah, in my day, um, it was uh, it it was tougher and without a shadow of a doubt. Dara Donovan asks. Was Rocky O'Brien a bollocks? Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was. And I always say this to people, all right, and I wouldn't, you know, um, when you're in football clubs, you don't necessarily like everybody that you play with. And, um, and you know, Rocky wouldn't have been my favourite person, even though Jacko McDonough was his cousin. And... Uh, and I got on great with Jacko. And I used to be, um, when Jacko was in Bowles first, uh, I'd go out to Donnybrook, out to where Jacko lived, and we'd, we'd, uh, we'd play uh, a few games of tennis in UCD. Don't know who, I don't know who uh, I thought I was playing tennis, a lad from Cabra. But anyway, we did our best to try and play tennis. It's probably better. Um, but um, Rocky... Um, I have to say, Rocky's a great football person, and um, he was a great player. Um, but he was a, he was a different kind of a person on the pitch, you know. And um, and I played against him, and you know, I was on the receiving end of that, and you dished it out to him as well. And um, but on the pitch, yeah, a little bollocks without a shadow of a doubt. Um, but a good player, a very good player, and. Um, and a great football person. And I gave you a heads up about this one. Your funniest moment in football, be it on or off the pitch. Yeah, Jane, that's a toughie. Um, I played with a lot of characters, you know, and the, as I say, in them days, and I'm sure the, the, the lads today who are playing uh, have their characters in or around dressing rooms and teams and whatever. Just I'll give you a few short, small, shorty ones on a couple of characters. Of course, Roddy. You know, um, you can't have you can't have a league or Ireland story without Roddy. Roddy, P- Peter arrived into Peter Eccles arrived into Dundalk for a couple of games. I think it was '88, and um, I think he went on to Leicester City then, but he didn't stay long. But Peter, you know, it was short and tight and whatever. But Peter was always immaculate, and he got himself a new pair of shoes. Uh, the old. Uh, the old uh, pick the eye of a spider ones, the Winkle Pickers. Um, lovely, lovely pair of shoes. I think Next had only been opened on the top of Grafton Street and he got them in Next. And um, But anyway, Roddy was in Dundalk at the time as well. And um, well, Mickey Fox, Lord of Mercy on him, the groundsman in Dundalk, he used to make a cup of tea, a, pot, a big kettle pot of tea. Now, you know, you dance across it, it was rotten stuff. But um you used to keep her on a little stove um in the dressing room, the home dressing room. But um we were we came in at half time and we were all going, um, what's that smell? You know? Um there was a terrible smell in the home dressing room. So um well it was bad anyway, usually, but this was worse. But um, so anyway, the the game finished. The end of the game, Peter's going around looking for his shoes, and um, couldn't find them. And Roddy goes, uh, "I'll put them into that press, you know." And 
But he put him in, in into a press, but the cooker was over it, and Peter's new shoes were melted in the <laughs> in the oven. And I mean melted, melted. Okay, so Roddy go, <laughs> Roddy goes now. Obviously, Roddy owned up amazing. Where'd you get them next? I'll bring them back. I'll have a new pair for you on Tuesday, he says, at training. So, um, <laughs> Roddy got thrown out next. He went back into, he went back into next. He did go back into next uh, with the melted shoes. <laughs> he, he said your woman threw him out, you know. So, I think he had to fork out for a pair of shoes in the end. So, fair play to him. But he had some, he had some characters. Roddy was brilliant. And that's, that's probably one of the mild ones with Roddy. Um, Great talker, great spoofer, good good character. Um, but um, Mick O'Brien, the goalkeeper, Mad Mick, that broke the crossbar with St. Pat's or Athlone. He broke it down in Athlone anyway, but Mick came in as a, a kind of in, into bows. He would have been in the latter end of his career. But Mick, um, Mick, Mick was madman. We So uh, I joined bows that first year. I was in CYM in the League of Ireland B, the Combination League. We were playing a match. It was a sunny day. It must have been the start of the season. And um, they got a penalty. Mick had given it away. But he was he was, he was was sledging the umfla that was taking the penalty. Now, when I save this, he said, when I save it, he said, don't go home crying to your ma. Here he is to him, right? And, and the umfla was terrified taking the penalty. And... Um, of course, not only did Mick save it, but he actually smothered it and caught it. And um, so the young is looking and he looks and Mick absolutely bounces the ball, throws it back out at him. <laughs> he throws the ball back out the young and he says to him, have another go. So it hits the young in the leg and uh, flies up into the air. Mick catches it. Kicks it down the field. Billy Young was going absolutely ballistic on the sideline. So Mick didn't really get to play too many more games. But um, <laughs> And then probably another character, the funniest of the whole lot probably uh, was Fran Hitchcock. Um, playing a game in the Oriel Park. I think it might have been against Rovers, but there was this, um, there was a disabled man that used to sit near the, the dugout in Dundalk. He used to wear the Peaky Blinders cap. And he'd be sitting there, he had the walking stick, and he'd be sitting on a seat there. But whatever happened to to Hitchy, the momentum um of his run, and he flew straight into this bloke, the disabled man, knocked him off his chair. Right? I'd, in army days in Dundalk, I'd never seen this man without his cap on. So your man is the man is lying on the ground with the cap on the ground. Hitchy grabs your man's cap. Um, puts it on his head and sits down onto the chair, <laughs> sits down onto the chair beside the dugout and um, and and starts shouting at the lads and everybody's just looking at him because the, the poor disabled man was was still on the ground in a, in an absolute heap and um, but that was a funny one I tell you it was something else probably some of the other stories be I couldn't really repeat them here on 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 this podcast for the uh, uh some of them lads you know great characters um roddy in particular as i say hitchy was another one he was he was a he was a fruitcake 
um, particularly on the train coming home with a few beers on him. He was a he was a different uh, he was a different level altogether. Um, yeah, so there was some good. There was some. It was fun. Some funny ones. Um, I heard a good one about Billy Baxter where he got suspended for a game when he was manager of um, Monaghan, and Mick Bourne would have been playing at Monaghan at the time. So we we're playing away from home. So they came in anyway, and the lads were talking about the game, and they said to Billy, "Billy." Um, you were in the stand. Uh, what did you think of that one? You know, and he says, uh, "I don't know." They put me in a play. He, he says they put me in a corner with a pole in front of me. You couldn't see no, none of the match. He says, "You know." <laughs> so Billy was another. Billy was another great character. Great, great person. All great football people. You know, really great, great football. And I have to say, I spent uh, somehow. I was looking at a match one time. Billy Baxter was at it, and I spent I spent half the game in his company. He was hilarious. He had a running commentary on every player on the par. He um he was he was uh fabulous fella, great, great guy, great, great football guy. And we'll so there just a little few tidbits. But Mick O'Brien tells Mick, Mick O'Brien tells a great one of the time he broke the crossbar with uh, Athlone, um or in Athlone. He 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 actually I remember it happening because it was on it was on ITV and everything, surely. He, he sat on the he first of all he swung out of it. And he broke it in the corner because it was obviously timber uh, goals, goal post. He broke in the corner. They tied it with a rope, played on. They were losing 2 nil anyway. And um, so he decided, here, I have to get this thing abandoned. So he sat on it in the middle of it. And the whole thing came crashing down. And he got a, he got a four-month ban from the FBI, didn't he? <laughs> or the league. And he tells a story of um, when he was in Bowes where... Um, Kevin Heffern and Heffo Heffo's army um, with the dubs Paddy Cullen was injured and um, so they gave Mick a call to go up train and see how he'd get on with the dubs and um, so he said uh, he tells a story where he was training with Dublin and the ball came in and he said ah, you know I came out and Mick was Mick didn't drink or smoke thank God he didn't drink but um, but he, he says I came out and uh Ball came in, and I came out, mixed ball, and I caught it. And he said, uh, <coughs> Kevin Heffern, he says, Heffo, stop the whole thing. He says, listen, Mick, this is Gaelic. He said, it's anybody's ball. And Mick, and Mick goes, all right, boss, no problem. All right, boss. And So anyway, the ball came in a few, a few minutes later, so out Mick comes, Any, anybody's ball. So uh, he <laughs> caught it. And I said, how did that work out? He said, um, I didn't, he... He didn't get me up then after that again, he says. So he was he was he was one of the funniest fellas going, I tell you, he was a character. Um seeing him cleared now with Cheryl Room in, in Longford, actually uh Longford Town. They were playing in Abbey Carton at the time. Three showers to two teams. And uh Mick was biting all their arses in the shower. And when I looked in, Mick had three showers to himself and uh, it was hilarious. So um he was brilliant, great guy. Great guy. Okay, we'll leave the last word to <clears throat> Dave Carpenter. He wants to know: Do you still have a point in the Bayside Inn? Um, I haven't been there. Obviously, um, my son Levi, the middle lad, uh, who's thirty, he does. So, um, his his fiance is from there. I lived there, um, and. Everybody, we moved out of there quite 
quite uh, a while ago. I'm in I'm in Longford now, so Levi does be in the Bayside Inn when it when it does be open. Uh, and I actually said um, that I must join him out there because apparently there's a a, a disgracefully uh, disgracefully bad um, quiz on a Saturday night. Uh, so I might go out and give that a go with him. But um, I have fond, mem- fond memories of the Bayside Inn. You know, fond memories of uh, um, probably the Horseshoe House and Bellamy's when I was in Rovers. We used to we used to have some fun there. Derek Swan was great. He'd go missing, and three hours later he'd appear back again. So um, he says, "I just told the missus I was slipping out for a pound of butter," and he lived in Finglas. So how he got away with that one, I don't know. Hi, well, Dave. Thanks for being so generous, generous with your time. Uh, we've been talking so long. I know as you're sitting in. Uh, pitch black there in your room here I'll go this side here now sticking the light on right thanks so much Dave really enjoyed talking to you today uh, it was brilliant thanks so much it was great Kyle I really enjoyed it and thanks very much for, for uh, the kind invitation so that was Dave and uh, the, the didn't seem to get on with Ray Tracy did he it's like he wanted to say something and do you know what annoys me as well about these podcasts sometimes People will be like, oh, I couldn't repeat that on air. That's what this is for. <laughs> That's why you're here. We want to hear the stories. I mean, recently we've been obsessed with Under the Cosh. That, that, that uh, podcast, it's it's absolutely brilliant. It's it's just fucking addictive. They're and, getting the right characters oh, on. Like, the right, ma- right mix and yeah. match. Like I think one I listened to, a fellow called Andy Johnson, he was just out there, wild, telling all sorts of mental stories. And he came off like as a bit of a dick. But then you had like Andy Woodman, who we spoke about before, who was just a, a lovable character. But then you'd have like Jeff Jeff Horsfield, who just loved playing football, and he was a mad character as well. But he loved the football side. He's talking about fans. He's talking about rivalries. So there's a perfect balance there. Like they really is. They're really really good. And not not everyone's gonna be a madman, you know. Like we said at the top of the show, Dave Dave was a classy guy. Yeah, he was very popular. So people who remember him playing, I think, will will enjoy that interview. But, but anyone uh, listening who is potentially ever gonna come on this show again, tell us the stories. You can't can't say this on air. You can't <laughs> say this on air. Don't don't worry about it. Yeah. But yeah, what do you think was there? I don't think he got on with Ray, did he? No, obviously he fallen out there. Unsaid, wasn't it? Wasn't that the same with Peter Eccles? Didn't they fall out as yeah, well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. He did. He did confirm that Rocky O'Brien is a bollocks. Yeah, a little bollocks. Yeah. But um, yeah, he was. He was sacked at Limerick and Galway in the early nineties. He said there was madness going on at Limerick, didn't he? Yeah, you? you hear that a lot from these ex-Rovers players. You know, going into management tend to run into a lot of financial troubles, and like for some colleges, it might have ended there. You know. The careers might have just ended. So to come back and gain the strong reputation he has now in Irish football because of his work with the, the underage women's international team. Yeah, like what it, did they say? You're only good as your last job. So yeah. it's very, it's very impressive. Yeah. Like he's held in high regard in 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 the Irish game. And um, the women's 19 qualifier has actually been cancelled there. So like that's that's what I meant about the call with disruption, especially at that level. It's a lot worse, obviously. And um, it was funny, I recorded that a few weeks ago and we started at about three o'clock in the, in the day and <laughs> it just got progressively darker on his screen. Eventually to, to the point where Dave was just like a floating head <laughs> in darkness. I could see nothing but his facial features. It was quite bizarre. 
And you challenged me with a stack there, didn't you? I certainly did, Prof. I said, who was going to be uh, a player of the year for both Bowls and Rovers? Yeah. And we have our dating back, right back to the gaff. Right back to the gaff. Every single player, meticulous and fantastic stats, all the way back to the 70s. Tell us about the Bowls ones there. That's the problem. You go on to Wikipedia, and there it is. But I actually got in touch with the, the Bowls historian, and nobody has a complete list. Ah, it's amateur hour, isn't it? Apparently it's lying in Danny Mount somewhere. A hard copy. But, like, only contenders I can think of. In the tomb with the rest of their dirty secrets. So there's two that I know of. Dave Connell and Roberto Lopez. Right. Won both Rovers and Balls player of the year. So two. Um... So other players contenders maybe Mick and Pat Byrne and Tony Cousins. Could stretch back, couldn't it? Possibly. Yes, so we are... Prof, your favourite favorite time of the show, and here are the stats. There is a mathematician, a different kind of mathematician, and a statistician. Stats out! <laughs> yeah, I have a few ones here. Um, that was our fourth penalty shootout at Tata Stadium. We won a 2012 Leinster Senior Cup tie with Bowles. We lost a 2015 League Cup semi-final with Pats, and of course we beat Ilves in the Europa League last year. I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago that we've only met Pats three times on opening day. 60 odd years wasn't it? Which is very few. We beat them 4-3 away in 1958. That was played at Denny Mount Park. Then they hammered us 4-1 at Milton the following season and then we beat them 1-0 at Tata in 2015. And that's actually the last time that we began a season at home. So we were away to Sligo in 2016. Away to Zundalk 2017. Bowes 2018. Waterford 2019. And Bowes. 2020 mm. we won three and lost two of those away ones whereas Pats are kind of slow starters they've lost five of the last six openers and park it they'll be parked I reckon they'll park the bus anyway yeah I like this stuff uh, the last time defending champions were beaten in their first game was Drada at home to Shamrock Rovers yeah. in 2008 an early strike by Alan Murphy the prof is Blitzing us with the stats here. And uh, our most recent title defences, as in the first game the following season, having won a title. Uh, 2 1 win at Drogheda in 2012 when Craig Gilbert stood out and looks like a great player. 3 1 win over Dundalk at Tata 2011. 3 0 win away at the Cove Ramblers in 1995. 4 1 win at Limerick. 1987 and we beat them 2-1 in 1986 so if you go back to 1985 for the last time that we began a season with an absolute shambles of a title defence and <laughs> lost we lost to Limerick we kept playing Limerick for some reason and finally Rovers are currently 22 league games unbeaten but that is still not the longest run in the Tata era because we did 22 under Michael O'Neill and we did 23 under Pat Fenlon. Prof is on fire this week with the stats. Absolutely amazing. So we're going to move on now, Prof, from the stats. We're going to go starting 11s and predictions. Okay, I'll go first. Um, I'm actually struggling here again, but I remember what I said last week. So... I said I'm going to start Manus, obviously, and then I'm going to go left wing back. Has to be Scales, because I'm guessing the other lads aren't back from injury and Gannon on the right. 
So we've Gannon on the right there as well. We're going to go to the boys in the middle. Har. Har is going to play centre half. He's going to play with Joey O'Brien. And he's going to play with Pico. So that's a three there. I'm going to go McCann in the middle. Watts. I'm going to start him. And Finn. And then it's going to be Borky and Greener up top. So it's... Uh, Borky just in behind Greener, supplying him with all the goods. And we've got Watts, Finn and McCann in the midfield trio there. And I think Watts... Um, McCann and Finn playing. I think Finn will be pressing a lot. He's the one who's going to be getting the ball back. And then McCann starting. Starting all our attacks with Finn being a bit of magic with Borky. But Gary O'Neill is very unlucky to not be in this team. Did you start Mandreau there? No, I'm dropping for Watts. Dropping him for Watts. Okay. Dropping him for Watts. Mandroyu is down for Watts. And once again, dropped. If you think that's a harsh word, we're just rotating this team to what we think is our best 11 at the minute. You mentioned Gary O'Neill there. Yeah, like I it's really, harsh on him. I really like the look of McCann. I think he'll be great for us this year. But I always want Gary O'Neill in our team. Yeah. He, just, he always makes us that bit better. I think you're going to be right there. But here we're going to drop Finn. Every time we make we drop Finn, we get slagged. And then if you're going to drop Watts... Are you going to drop your creative midfielder then? So if you have Finn, Gary O'Neill and McCann, are you lacking that little bit of creativity? Yeah, I mean... Do you know what I mean? Like we said, he's probably going to choose between O'Neill or McCann each week. So if you play balls in them, you're going to, you've got two defensive midfielders there. But if you yeah, if you play McCann, you're going to, he's going to be a focal point. He is going to be who you're going to start your attacks with. Gary O'Neill won't be the same. Yeah. They'll share the load, you could say. So it's it's a tough one, it is. But I'm going to go with McCann. From what I saw last week, I think he's going to be a step ahead. I love how nimble he was on the ball, actually. He could just kind of dance around. He was very, very good. He's got like kind of in the McPhail role or the mould. You're not going to be able to get the ball off much unless he gives it away, as in for, with a with a pass. But I think technically he's very good. He's going to be the focal point. I'm getting greener up top. I just want to start playing the way we played last year. And yeah, um, yeah see how we get on. I mean, last week I left out green, but I mean that was that was a glorified friendly. I mean, mm. when it comes to the real business, the league, he's like he's one of the first names on my team sheet. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. green, green is back for me anyway. Yeah, and green. like I said, I want Gary O'Neill on the team, but I just don't, I can't wrap my head around who to drop. <laughs> so kind of at a loss here. Um, it's tough, isn't it? Yeah. So I'll just say greener for now, but I'll, I'll give it three or four games, but. After that, I'm going to drop somebody for Gary O'Neill because I want them in. Yeah, it's a super team and super bench as well. I'm going to go 2-0. I'm going to go two late goals. Greener to start it off and Watsy to finish it. Um, yeah, 2-0, I'm going to say. Against a, a resolute, tough Pats team, you know, parking the bus. Uh, I'm going to say a 2-1 win. Uh, how about who, who's, on, who's on the score sheet? I went Watson Greener. Watson Greener. I'll say Greener and Danny to get his first goal. You are. So that's it. And our starting level and predictions are complete. We're going to talk about Pat's transfer business now. And uh, in comes Ronan Coughlin from Sligo Rovers. Decent signing. John Mountney. Sam Baum. Matty Smith. Vidislav Yaros. Alfie Lewis from West Ham. Uh, Vidislav Yaros is the goalie who are hearing good things about. Paddy Barrett from Priav. Kansve Rieng. 
uh, Nahum Melvin Lambert from Redden and Barry Murphy. So it is a mixed bag, you could say. Ronald Cochran's a good sign, in my opinion. He he won't possibly might not get you 15 goals a season, but he's a good player. John yeah. Mountney, the not a journeyman, but he's the he's an experienced player who who will do well. They probably pay him on the right. Sam Bone. Interesting sign in there. Um, that's, that's Cambodia that Paddy Barrett was in, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a strange one already. Matty Smith is the left winger that Waterford had who played well in front of Tyreek Wilson a few times that we watched him watch Illinois. So that's a good signing. But I think Paddy Barrett, he doesn't convince me. So overall, I think, I'm not sure about their ins, but their outs. Baz is back after a year. Baz out. is back, yeah. They were struggling for a backup keeper. They got rid of Cairns and they got rid of Clark. You can just skim their outs, but I mean, the, the, the standout ones are obviously the, the keepers there, aren't they? Yeah, so uh, Brendan Clark, Brendan Clark, Brendan Clark, Connor Cairns, uh, Darren Markey, the draw the United, good little player, Rory Feely, Touchy Feely, the balls, I didn't never rate him, Jordan Gibson, the Sligo, he looked good against us, Duna to Athlone, Paul Cleary to Wexford, Luke McNally to Oxford United, good centre half, that guy, success, Edogan to Wexford, Daniel Dobbin and Kyle Robinson, a lot of loans going out there as well, Kyle Robinson, a young goal machine, so... Uh, they've re-signed Ben McCormick, Jamie Lennon, Dara Bourne, Zane Birmingham, Jason McKellen, Shane Griffin, Chris Forster, Robbie Benson, Lee Desmond, Billy Kane, Kyle Robinson, King Corbley, King Kelly, Josh Keeley, and that is their re-signings as well. So a little bit, a little bit weak, I'd say. That squad, in my opinion, I think they will struggle. You're looking at a mid-season potential relegation playoff if they don't start scraping wins uh, and getting goals. There's not many goals in that team. A lot of people tipping them for fourth at least, no, aren't they? No, it's not happening for me. I don't think. Uh, I just don't think uh, O'Donnell has the gumption. So I don't think he'll do well. With now, the only team that we didn't beat last year. So that's ending the goal, boy. They might be hard to beat this season. You're putting 11, 11 men in front of the ball, though, you know? Yeah, you? but then, like you say, where are the goals going to come from? Yeah, so that is it for our starting levels and predictions. And our horse, we're on to our Cheltenham section now. Can we get like a horse who's going. <laughs> Uh, you just did a day I don't need <laughs> it's a good wasn't it any Cheltenham tips we'll get we put them up on our social media uh, our tipster Jim McGrath in Australia and he gave us the winner a few years ago Native River so we'll do our best to give you any tips mm. normally I just pick a name I like uh, Profs mm. a shunter in work so I'm going with the shunter tomorrow and I doubled it up with Build Me A Buttercup who is an absolute donkey of a thing I think we're keeping that jockey in uh, in business by putting all the, the money on him. <laughs> all Rovers fans, he's playing on a Friday. He's running on a Friday and Rovers are playing. He's going to win. I know. Every, every, every couple of months, you just see him like, oh, I bet on, on Bilby and Buttercup. But, uh, funny enough, I just opened an 8888 Sport account oh, for, for my dad. Ah, oh, good stuff. Is it, is it is clunky? It, yeah. Is it good? It's probably the best sport app out there, is it? That's pretty straightforward, yeah. yeah no complaints. Go. But uh, if we do bet the mortgage, then it's because of Rover's reckless morals. <laughs> yeah. Loose, loose morals. Yeah, so that is it this week, Prof. Um, a year, we're a year behind closed doors now. Uh, a year of football just mm. wasted pretty much, unfortunately, for fans. So imagine you had said a year ago that you would not even step foot in the Tata Stadium for 12 months. Oh, you'd be told to get out of the club. You'd be told to get out of that club. But uh, unfortunately, it's still the way it is. But we're fighting. We're keeping up the good fight. And we're going to hope we'll get in there sooner rather than later. So that is it for this week. And so the Dublin Derby is on Friday, April 23rd against Balls. Something to look forward to. And tomorrow, we're playing St. Patrick's. Let's keep on hoping.
Of course, Celtic. It means nothing. It means nothing.